Hi guys, for our 10th episode I've tweaked the format of the show a little, so we'll open the episode with the Patreon stuff from now on. The profile segments have also been removed, as I didn't think they were working, and they added a massive amount of time onto episode production. This show exists as it does, thanks in no small part to our amazing backers over on Patreon. Over at patreon.com forward slash relived, you can help support the show for as little as £1 a month, and backers get access to sneak peeks behind the curtain, and I look forward to future episodes. £4 and up backers also get access to bonus episodes covering WWE merchandise, including our look at the Forcible Entry album, and a selection of WWE's magazines from 2002. £7 and up backers will get access to future Q&A episodes, but can also access video watch-along episodes, and they even get to choose the subject of those episodes. Right now you can check out our watch-along of Insurrection 2000, with more coming soon. And audio versions of all our video episodes are also available at that tier, so you can take them with you wherever you go. Thanks once again to the amazing supporters of the show over at patreon.com forward slash relived. You help make this show what it is. Check out the page and our long-term goals listed there and see for yourself if you fancy helping us out. So with that out of the way... Since our last episode... Raw opened with a moving and heartfelt tribute to Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, mentioning Smith's two children. Little did anyone know, both would continue their father's amazing legacy to this day. The cracks in the NWO's armour began to worsen as Goldust tried to join the group in an attempt to win back Booker T, while the group's remaining members began to squabble over who should be the new leader. However, the returning Kevin Nash managed to reunite the faction by reminding them of what the NWO represents. Tommy Dreamer was at it again, being a weird little fucker and eating hair and washing it down with barbicide and hair gel. Bubba Ray Dudley saved Trish Stratus from Brock Lesnar, only to be attacked by Lesnar later in the night when Bubba challenged William Regal for the European Championship. Ric Flair told Stone Cold Steve Austin he'd punish him and the fans by taking him out of matches and benching him. Heading to a bar, Austin found Eddie Guerrero getting under his skin as Latino Heat gifted Deborah a tiny teddy bear before clocking Austin in the head with a beer bottle. On SmackDown, Test taught Stacey Keebler the devastating finishing move, the Lip Lock. Then he beat Randy Orton. Then he gave Triple H the big boot. Test rules, ha ha ha. Kurt Angle's hair had miraculously regrown. As a matter of fact, he had more hair than he had four days previously before being shaved bald. Kurt had taken to wearing a fancy wrestling headgear with a chin strap for absolutely no reason, of course. Reverend Devon got new, much better theme music. Oh, testify! Rico was getting a taste for being a tag team champion, though Rikishi wasn't convinced. And neither were Billy and Chuck. That is, until Rico blasted reluctant partner Rikishi in the head with his championship belt. Ace reporter Gregory Helms tried to get to the bottom of the matter of the mysterious notes that had been left for the hurricane, before discovering a supposed clue to the identity of the mystery man. A bag of beef jerky. 
Hulk Hogan, holding back genuine tears, spoke of his father's passing and how his final wish was for the Hulkster to return to the WWF. Preparing to retire, Hogan thanked the fans for believing him and for the memories made during his career. Spoiling the moment, Mr. McMahon showed up to tell Hogan he wasn't allowed to retire, threatening to sue Hogan if he tried to renege on his contract as punishment for heading to WCW in 1994. Vince told Hogan he intended to milk Hulkamania for every cent he could until the day Hogan died. Hogan swore he wouldn't retire until he'd kicked Vince's ass, only to be assaulted by The Undertaker. The WWE Slam of the Week, presented by Subway, was Chris Jericho injuring referee Tim White, played immediately before Michael Cole announced White's separated shoulder and imminent surgery. Subway, eat fresh. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Ruthless Aggression Relived. It's your trip down wrestling memory lane with me, LT Fletcher, and today we've got a special double header episode for you. Yes, we're going to be looking way back in time to the 25th of May 2002, when WWE launched not one, but two new shows. We are going to be looking at the first edition of uh, Velocity. And we're going to be looking at the first edition of WWE Confidential. That's exciting, isn't it? But I can't do I can't do a double header episode all alone. No, you need a double header of hosts on this show. So to that end, we've got the very lovely, very special guest here today. It's Katie Lawson. How are you doing, Katie? Hello, I'm doing good. You've built this up very highly for a very big, massive double header, considering how awful it is. <laughs> it's you've... it's a ooh ooh. Mm. It was it was a fun it was a fun usage of two hours of my time, and I mean that unsincerely. Mm. Uh, this is, now for for the purpose of um, anyone that's sort of uh, not aware of who the entity known as Katie Lawson is. <laughs> Um, Great description. What's uh, what, usually when I when I get someone who's new to the podcast on, like I kind of ask them what's kind of their uh, knowledge of this time period, if any. I think like because you're you're a little bit younger than me, so I think you might not. Yes. Have, I, I don't think you were you were a fan of wrestling until like quite far after this, were you? So I'm I'm one of those newer. Fan, I came. I was a fan. I became a fan in 2016, right around the brand split, like the big new brand split that brought in the jam. Belt. The, the, yeah, um, the, the, so the re-split. <laughs> Yes, the sort of the modern brand split era, mm. but I, I'm one of those got very autistic, very hyperfixated. So I've gone back and watched a bunch of the old stuff. Mm. So like I, I, I did like a watch through of the early nitros. I've done a watch through of old All Japan and stuff. Funnily enough, never gone back to this era of wrestling in WWE. So this is my first ever episode of Velocity and ever first ever episode of Confidential. So I, I, I also two thousand like the two thousands is just an era I know nothing about. I know the nineties. I know the like twenty tens. Nothing in the 2000s. I know nothing of what's going on at this point. Well, we are always very concerned about everybody's uh, professional wrestling education here on Ruthless Aggression Relived. And we're gonna oh, fill what in some an education lights. this was. Wasn't oh, it just? So, <laughs> we're going to start with Velocity. Uh, they, they did air back-to-back, as we can sort of piece together. Both of these shows are on the WWE Network, and therefore I assume they're on the American Peacock streaming service. You poor bastards. Um... <laughs> 
So, yeah, it does say at the end of Velocity, oh, coming up next is Confidential. So I don't know what channel they were on in America. Uh, well, I, I worked it out uh, just from piecing together stuff because I did some little extra stuff. I think Velocity was on TNN. Right. And I think Confidential was like a w, an early www.com thing. Really? Or like similar to that. I think it was. I don't think it was. A, I don't think it had a TV deal. I don't. At least I couldn't work that out if it had a TV deal. I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I don't remember ever seeing Confidential on... TV, like in the UK, like on Sky, uh, Velocity would have been. Um, yeah. I don't remember seeing Confidential. That's not to say it didn't air in the UK, but I never saw it. So for a while, it was kind of this, almost a holy grail kind of a show because it was it was spoken of so often. It was, there was an advert for uh, WWE Confidential Volume One, the DVD. Uh, on the front of many of WWE's DVDs at the time, so it was always, oh wow, that looks really interesting. Right? That's that's really cool, like a behind the scenes magazine style show. So that's kind of fun and interesting. Yeah, and... It, yeah it's basically it's billed as like the pulling back the curtain yeah. of wrestling, and you'll learn all the stuff you don't know about wrestling. Yeah, which, which you know will we'll break the kayfabe. <laughs> which twenty years later we know, and uh, it turns out they got a few small minor details just slightly wrong there. Those big well, silly confidential would not work in like twenty twenty two, would it? Like you'd have you'd have like a Vince like managed WWE confidential is talking about the stuff, and you just have Meltzer going, yeah, that's not real. That's absolute you've made, bollocks. You've, made, you've just you've said. made it all up again. <laughs> Then, haven't you? Yeah. You've made this all wrong. Well, we'll we'll definitely get uh, we'll definitely get into that as we uh, progress to confidential. But first, we'll take a little uh, stroll onto the green show of uh, the ruthless aggression era. But that being Velocity. Velocity was the replacement for Metal or Jacked, of course, depending on which version of the show you watch. Um, and it took place before SmackDown tapings on the SmackDown set, of course. And it was pretty much the it was the crowd warm up sort of thing. So you get two or three episode, uh, two or three episode, two or three matches per episode, and recaps of what happened on that week's SmackDown. So you got this weird little paradox of the matches are recorded before SmackDown, but the commentary discusses things that happened on SmackDown which had not yet taken place at the time of recording. So it's terribly confusing. It's, it's kind of like it's kind of like your modern like two hundred five live yes. or main events or stuff like that. It's sort of that. Taped before or after to make the crowd warm. Absolutely, and it's it also as we'll see uh, as we get into the uh, the first match of the evening, it became kind of a home for uh, a lot of the cruiserweights because this is still in the era of even though Paul Heyman, um, when he was in charge of SmackDown, was very much going to bat for the cruiserweights. Vince McMahon was perhaps not willing to give too much time on a two-hour show to them, so you'd get a few extra cruiser matches on the Saturday show. So that was nice. So are you ready to dive in? Yeah, so it, it was literally just 205 Live, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much, the yeah. Weights, put the cruiserweights on their own little show and then throw the women on there. Absolutely. Are you ready to dive in with both feet, then? Uh, yes. Uh, I want to jump before, like, we actually get into, like, the real Velocity stuff, because, again, mm. this was my, like, first seeing of both Velocity and Confidential. What a weird intro Velocity has, because... Race I'm... cars! Yeah, one of, my <laughs> other, so one of my other things that I, you know, tweet about a lot is racing mm. and whatever. So I, when I was watching Velocity, I was not expecting it to have clips from the NHRA, the National Hot Rod Association of America, <laughs> being what they were playing along at the start of Velocity. Like, they were just, they were showing, like, it will be The Rock... Drag race car, Kurt Angle, one random woman, drag race car, car drifting in the middle of the street, wrestler, wrestler, wrestler. And I was like, oh, it's going to be like Hogan versus Giant again, WCW. Yeah. They're going to do a big, a big car massive thing. And, like, all right, that's 
That's a big build for their first episode. In many respects, that would have been a better show, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Put, 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 yeah. Put the people, you know, rather than the women in the match that we're going to come to later mm, in this show. Geez. Put them both in like one thousand mile an hour cars and send yeah. them at a wall. It'd be great. <laughs> I'd send them at a wall. Not each other, just driving to the wall. <laughs> or, or driving to the wall, brother. Oh man, what was he doing at this? Oh, he's in TNA at this point. Wasn't is he? he? Oh. Yeah. oh yeah, that's yeah, right. He is. Fight. That's right. Yeah. Of course. Malice, yeah, Malice. Malice at this time was fighting Ken. Of course, he's Malice. Isn't he? title. So, yeah. fre- fresh off his stint in uh, WWE, or, or yeah, certainly around that time. Mm-hmm. Oh. But uh, yeah, Velocity. Uh, very, very fun. Big build and big massive opening. Like you know, big pyro, huge pyro, big massive yeah. sideways pyro. Like really, like building this. Like it's a really big show and a really exciting crowd. And then they immediately mention boobs. Like in the first minute of the show, yeah, <laughs> is, which is like a regular, a regular, I think, part of this episode. Oh, it, it is. We have on commentary Al Snow joining Michael oh, Cole. God, Al Snow! And wow, both of these lads are very, very horny for ladies' breasts. Is all I can oh, really but- say. To, have, to avoid me going on too much about it in the rest of the show, I'm going to take a little second. Michael Cole here is, like, compared to modern Michael Cole, actually alright. I'm fine with how Cole is commentating here. I quite like Al, it, yeah. Al Snow is dire. He is so, <laughs> so bad at commentary. So bad at any, so bad at knowing what's going on. He is, why, I don't know what, they looked at their whole roster in 2002. It was like, alright, who's a good talker that we can put with Michael Cole here for this, like, B show? And they picked Al Snow, and I want to know how long this lasts for, like, later episodes. Because it is not good at all. It's he is terrible. Weird. Al's in kind of a, a strange sort of limbo at the minute as well, because he's... Like, obviously he's one of the, the trainers on Tough Enough, as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they kind of decided, well, Al's a good hand in the ring. It turns out he's quite good as being a trainer. Let's sort of wind him down a bit as a wrestler. So Al's very sporadically wrestling. He's doing more of this non-wrestling sort of stuff. He is working as a trainer. He's working on commentary here. It's odd. He managed Maven to winning the first Tough Enough, I think, was one of the things I mentioned on commentary. Yeah, then. yeah. Well, you know, helped... helped you know, he taught, it's one of those, you know, he taught Maven everything that he knows, but not everything that Al knows. Ooh. Al, but yeah, Al knows Al, where the bodies Al are buried. <laughs> Al, Al knows what Maven... Also, I'll get to that later on, but Al knows what Maven does to Kurt Angle. The poor man. Oh, no. <laughs> he constructed that whole thing. <laughs> but yeah, so also just because boobs, the entire show is basically just an advertisement for the bra and panty segment at the end of the yeah, show. Yeah, the big main is... event is the women's championship on the line in a bra and panties match. And that's... An illustrious women's title with illustrious lineage being defended between uh, God, who, Trish Stratus Trish fighting and Stacey. Vince's, that, yeah, Vince's valet. That is a feud ender, by the way. They've been feuding and this is the feud ender. Yeah. Which is astonishing, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, it was that's, 2002, that's and, uh, well, unfortunately, that was kind of what we were all like at the time, I regret to inform you. Mm-hmm. But, but before we get to the disappointing bra and... But spoilers, it's not the greatest, it's not a five-star, right? It's, I'll be it, honest, no. the bra and panties is not, it's not Tokyo Dome levels. We, we do come out, that, the, come out of the gate quite strong, I think, though. This opening match, we've got Tajiri taking on Billy Kidman. I really liked this match. I, I was so I had I had like middle. I didn't have any. Like, I didn't know whether Velocity was going to be like you know main event levels or like really good like WCW Thunder levels. But mm. Tajiri versus Billy Kidman. Uh, obviously, Tajiri, um, as far as I worked out from poetry, is having sex with Tori Wilson in storyline. 
Like, that's the stuff they're doing he, between Tajiri and Tori? He'd been with Tori, and then he randomly became a massive misogynist and dressed her in a geisha outfit, and Tori was like, no, I am sad to be in a geisha outfit. And then she took off the geisha outfit, and Tajiri was like, underpants? No. <laughs> and then they and then broke up, <laughs> but now she, like, she's maybe Maven's girlfriend? Because Tori doesn't believe in having time to yourself after you end a relationship. She's straight back in there with Maven. <laughs> so, very she's, well, she, she's clearly She's clearly a 2002 mid-card champion. Sure. Like, the thing that I think... helped by Tajiri and won by Maven. <laughs> exactly. The thing that I think is really funny, though, is that Tajiri and Kidman have been feuding. And mm-hmm. if they want to turn Tajiri heel and move Tori away from Tajiri, and they want to put Tori with someone else, would you not put her with the guy he's feuding with, who happens to be her actual partner in real life at this time? Would you, would that not be obvious? Oh, well, well, oh, were Kidman and Tori actually dating at this time? They got married. Oh, I did. Okay, that's a piece of law that I didn't know about. Yeah, Kidman. they they married. Right. They they they're divorced now, but I th- I think they're still on good terms, which is nice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they they were they were at the very least dating around now, so that just is very strange. Because as we know, Vince McMahon will take any opportunity to take a real life couple and ruin their life by sticking them on TV and putting them through hardship. So really, remember when Ken, Sh- remember when Ken Shamrock and Ryan Shamrock had that whole thing? That was a oh. that was a fun time putting a real life people into being his sister. That was you know strange. But, that you know but also, that is, that's probably Vince's well you know, we're not going to get into that actually. That's a different tale for a different time. <laughs> we'll do we'll, 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 to, we'll Vince's dis- kinks will be its own episode. <laughs> we'll get uh, onto that when we cover the McMahon DVD because they are going to be mm. laid bare. Uh but also a uh, couple of things here. One Tajiri, classic love Tajiri. He's great. Great, man, great, great guy. Kidman, I so Kidman obviously I always to me is like you know white vest sort of jorts Daisy Duke. That's the iconic of, look, isn't it? WCW, yeah, look, yeah, yeah, like WCW cruiserweight kid. Seeing him here, basically dressed in generic creator wrestler mm. number one trunks and knee pads and boots was he, he looks he looks genuinely just straight up like any like Ring of Honor indie guy you'd have seen around this yeah. time. Yeah, like, I think they probably I don't know they, I feel like they probably took a look at his. His, his, you know, his visual sort of his, his aesthetic, I guess, in WCW. They were like, well, we want probably something a little cleaner than that. But they didn't take into account the fact that Kidman isn't maybe the strongest personality, I guess. So now he is just a very generic cruiser. Uh, fortunately, he does some quite, you know, exciting stuff. So he does make up for it. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. he's not got much of a character to go on, which is kind of the downside. Here. Yeah, it's, also, it's also kind of surprising in a Vince McMahon-laden taking three characters from WCW, he didn't just give Kidman a big character. Like, even if it would have been yeah. worse, like, giving him like, give him, like, a... Because he's fighting the Hurricane, who is Cruiserweight Champion at this point, according to commentary. Yeah. He's fighting the Hurricane, and there's Tajiri, and there's also, like, all this big storyline involving beef jerky... And a tall masked <laughs> assailant. It's so uh, which... there, there's, there's a line about that on commentary. Al Al mentions this message that had been left for the Hurricane, um, which said that you know Hurricane's opponents. What, what is it? He's not not tall and not fat, or something, was it? Yeah. So I think I think that could be Al Snow. That's what Al Snow <laughs> said. He was like, "That's me." And he was like, "Oh, neither one of these guys are tall, are they?" And Cole says, "No." Oh! Cole says, "No, they're cruiserweights." <laughs> and I'm like, "It's not cruiser heights, Cole." The one, the one note that I sent to you, like before we uh, did this episode, was Al Snow is confused what a cruiserweight is. <laughs> he just, he was like, "Oh, these men are not tall." Well, yeah, they're two hundred five. It's not. Yeah. But also, also, you've got, so you've got all this stuff with like Tajiri, you know, and he's got all this stuff with Tori Wilson. You have got Hurricane being the Hurricane, being the thing, and then you got just Billy Kidman in trunks. 
who's here purely to be like the third man in all of this. Pretty much. Doing, n doing nothing interesting character. Like he's, he's really good at wrestling. The match is really good. Sure. But he's, he's doing nothing interesting character-wise. It, yeah, it's weird because Kidman, Kidman took the belt off of Tajiri, but now Hurricane's the champion. And it's all like Kidman is the only one that doesn't have a character, unfortunately. So he's the one that's become left out in the cold between this. Because Hur yeah. Hurricane is a big character, obviously. That's a huge mm -hmm. gimmick that everybody's well into. Tajiri's got this, it's not great, the misogynist gimmick, but it's a gimmick, and Kidman's just... And also, doomed. to be fair, Tajiri can also fall back on he's Tajiri, Green Mist being Tajiri. Exactly, kind of yeah. Built up, at least. We we get a little bit of a nod to uh, WCW, which is an unusual mention post-invasion. Oh, yeah, I did. I, I like Yeah, that. I highlighted that as well. Like but Because well, the last thing, the last thing Kidman did in the ending of like one of the last big things he did in WCW was fighting Hogan, mm. which is funny. And you've got Hogan as like the big—he's doing that big SmackDown thing at the moment of being retirement. But yeah, they—they they mentioned they're clearly like actually weaving. Because also, is this post? This is just after the Alliance invasion, isn't? This it? is this is probably there. about sort of six to eight months after that sort of wraps yeah. up. So if I know it'll be it'll be it'll be about six months afterwards because that will mm -hmm. that got finished off in November '01, so we're in we're in May '02 now. So yeah. Probably uh, half a year removed, and my, how the landscape has changed. Yeah, especially because Maven. <laughs> of course, um, revolutionising yeah, the so, industry is young Maven. Uh, yeah, but yeah, WC, like, yeah I, I appreciate uh, you know, what is, compared to Vince McMahon nowadays, them mentioning WCW mm. being like, oh, he did this stuff before. That was, it was, it was neat, if you ignore Al Snow's commentary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, speaking of strange things coming out of people's mouths... I liked when Kidman suplexed Tajiri, and Tajiri, in response, said, and I quote, Ah, Oh, I have a specific note here, which is just loud Tajiri screams. Yeah, he this screamed at Kidman when he jumped like, onto him. Yeah, every time he he's just like, And it's just like, it's, it's this match, you could watch this match as an audiobook, and you'd get out what's happening. Yeah. He's just making such... A racket at every point. Like Tajiri, I, I've I've watched Tajiri not in WWE. I've watched mm. a bunch of his like other stuff that he's done, and I really like Tajiri. I've never seen him in his WWE run. I didn't realize what he was doing, and the fact he's just screaming all the time. Tajiri is tremendous. Really, he's so good. And also, and speaking of Tajiri being tremendous, the the goddamn kicks he's doing in this match are superb. Like kicking the absolute me out of. Uh, Kidman. Absolutely. Is... The only downside to that is there's a point where Tajiri gives Kidman two buzzsaw kicks back to back, and then drop kicks him in the face, and then Kidman kicks out, which completely kills Tajiri's finish. Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I was gonna. There was. There was still. I was gonna. I. Wrote, I think I wrote down somewhere in these notes that it feels like an NXT match with the kickouts. It feels like yes. it's not like you're watching like a Johnny Gargano versus Adam Cole. Here's a finish. Nope. Here's a. I should get. You know. You're opening. A big episode of Velocity. Hmm. You want to open it with like a big hype match. Absolutely. But it did kind of feel like at some point they were just removing Tajiri's power through the whole thing. A little bit, yeah. Uh, Al Snow made a fantastically racist comment on commentary, um, talking about the way that Tajiri was treating Tori with the geisha outfits, and he says that all Japanese people have learned to treat their women that way. Brilliant. Yeah, he said it's Thanks a part so. of his culture. It's a part of yeah, yeah. He says it's yeah, <laughs> Japanese culture to put your women in a demeaning geisha yeah, outfit in two thousand and two. Bear, bear in mind. Yeah. All right then, Al. Thanks. There's um also uh, the commentary lines just in general in this are really weird. Mm. Like there's there's a point where Michael Cole is 
Like, he just described Tajiri as a moron, and he says he's such a moron, and then that's when Al Snow goes in and goes to bat for him, being like, oh, but no, this is Japanese culture, which means Michael Cole says he's an idiot, and Al Snow thinks all Japanese people are like that, which is a really good <laughs> painting of an entire nation of people. Like, really... Wait, no, Cole, you don't understand, they're all idiots. <laughs> they're all morons, they're, you know, Cole, what are you doing here? Uh, disclaimer, also, disclaimer, Ruthless Aggression Relive does not think Japanese people are idiots. No, we're all very big fans of the Japanese we, we people. Are. Thank you. We, we don't think you're all morons. No. <laughs> you're... The... Also, speaking, speaking of Japan, actually, and very fun uh, Japanese... The one, like, random Easter egg. I don't know if you saw this with a crowd sign in the background. Mm. Someone walked across with an all your base belong to us sign. I did not see this. that. There was a, it was like, it was like, it wasn't even sat down. They were just walking, like, clearly, like, through the thing. They had a big yellow sign that says all your base belong to us, which I was just like, ah. What? That's a, that's that's an era that shows where like 2002. In it, a it, it does date uh, the show somewhat, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. There is a point at which uh, Tajiri trips Kidman, goes for a springboard moonsault, and then completely eats shit when Kidman moves. And... Oh, yeah, lands straight, lands straight on his face, and that was it. Was it was again really good match with all these like kicks and stuff. That was a really brutal landing. On it was horrendous. Well. Really nice. uh, yeah. Referee Mike Sparks. Uh, apparently has somewhere to be as he gives the world's fastest double down count. <laughs> One, two, three, come on guys, I need to get my parking validated. Four, five, six, hurry the fuck up. Yeah, he um he was also not a big fan of the tarantula, apparently. He was very unhappy with the tarantula as well. He's very quickly just going, What do you know? Come on, come on, guys, quick, move away to Jerry. <laughs> no no submissions for you. We've got so much velocity to get through here. The the tarantula was always a weird one to me because technically, because it is a move that requires the use of the ropes, technically speaking, it is an illegal hold. So for mm-hmm. Tajiri to get the win in it, it has to be in, you know, a no disqualification situation. Which means that his most iconic move after the mist is one that he's never going to win a match with, realistically, which is very strange. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's, he's clearly, he's, he's got a very nice heel move set, but it's also not a very good winning move set. Yeah. So the finish comes then when Tajiri slaps that tar- tarantula on, and then, oh my, here comes Tori wearing not very the f- much at all. The first appearance of what will be many appearances of women's boobs during mm, this show, she could- and during Confidential. Yeah, she comes out wearing a little sparkly red... Bra and knickers. Um, I straight up wrote down, put some clothes on. <laughs> I just looked at my notes. I wrote, put some clothes. Because she, yeah, she, like, I get, obviously, you know, at this era, they were not wearing much, but Jesus, she was, she looked like she was ready for the bra and panties match. Like, yeah. She was not really clad in much for the. Uh, so uh, Tajiri is uh, naturally distracted by this. Kidman goes for the distraction roll up. Tajiri kicks out. Uh, but Tori grabs Tajiri's leg. Which lets Kidman nail Tajiri with a sit-down facebuster, and he picks up the win. And I don't have a time for any of these matches because Pro Wrestling Wiki did not bother putting a time on there, so... I, I can give a vague number. It was about 12 minutes from the start of Velocity until the That's end pretty of that good match. going. It was a, pretty good going. It was a, yeah, it was, it was like, you know, for a Cruiserweight match in this era, again, yeah. obviously, Velocity was kind of more dedicated for it. You know, a, a nice, like, 12-minute sort of length match is kind of un heard of for a lot of this era yeah so it, it's still gonna be a maybe a month or two before Heyman's really able to do some of the more exciting stuff with the cruise which we're gonna you know we're gonna get jamie noble in we're gonna get Rey mysterio obviously so we're gonna chavo, chavo, chavo yeah a solid hand in the ring matt hardy does a fucking brilliant storyline with the cruiserweight so we've got that to oh he does to. yeah um so yeah the cruiserweight stuff really does pick up not too long from now but this is kind of like 
they're they're only really allowed one cruiserweight story at a time on SmackDown. So mm. and what? Yeah, and they're all in the same story together. Yeah, it's every single one of these. So it's nice that and we're also, getting a proper match here on Velocity. That's actually, also, yeah, all the cruiserweights and Maven is also kind of in this story. Yeah. Right? Now, as you know, well known two hundred five weighing Maven from Tough Enough. Yeah, uh, taken Tori. Here, here is Tori's got- boyfriend? Question mark. Question mark. <laughs> I've also got one other note, and I think I've written this so much in my notes. Al Snow just, I think he woofed on commentary when <laughs> Tori Wilson came out. I, 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 like, it was like, Tori came out and he was like, oh, and then he grabbed, um, Tajiri's leg and he was like, oh, I wish you'd grab my leg under yeah, the table. Yeah, what the fuck? And then, and then he was like, oh, oh, Tori Wilson. Woo, 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 woo. I was like, all right, Al Snow. Al Snow, you're, the you're like, leg fetish, like for his own leg. <laughs> Yeah, just just barking about being touched by Tory Wilson. And it's not even the Brian Panties match. <laughs> this man's just eager as hell. Dirty little pervert. I, do you know, actually, I forgot to mention, uh, during the opening moments of this match, I sort of did a double take. I was like, fucking hell, Cole and Snow are invisible. I didn't realise they'd done the commentary in post. I had a different double take because I wasn't paying attention, and I was really confused why Taz sounded different. <laughs> Because I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I, I, I didn't, I didn't check before the show who it was. I was like, and then he called him Al, and I was like, why is he calling Taz Al? And I was like, oh, that's that's Al Snow. It's not. They've got Al Snow on the commentary, and then I started hating Al Snow through the whole show. So, alrighty then. So, what a great opener. Yeah, great good, start. good little match. I think it's a shame the crowd kind of only came alive for Tori's ass cheeks. Yeah, because uh, I mean, there, there was a lot, there was a lot of crowd noise in this one, but unfortunately, it doesn't work if you dub crowd noise in when the visuals are dozens of people sat there rubbing their chin. Yeah, like it, it's definitely, it's definitely a good like fast start for Velocity. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's, it's 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 a promising like start, but also uh, I don't think the promise delivers afterwards. But it's, yeah. it's a nice, it's a nice little match. Like it's one of those ones where it's like, you know, do you want to see like Tajiri at this era put on Billy Kidman versus Tajiri? Yeah, it's all right. Good. I think, good I think it's a nice little match. Yeah. So I, um, I I didn't particularly pay much attention to the recap segments because obviously I've, oh. I've been watching SmackDown anyway. Mm-hmm. So what did you make of the uh, the little recaps we got here? What, okay. what, what, so, what was the first one we got? I, I kind of skimmed past the first. The first one was, uh, and they hyped this up before the ad break for Velocity. It was Kurt Angle. Uh, and Michael Cole with a really good line, which is, is Kurt Angle going to come out to the ring and reveal himself as being bald? <laughs> it was just really just losing his mind about the fact that Kurt Angle would dare to have a slap head. The, um, the thing that I thought was really funny was like people were really indignant about Kurt. Like, he was supposed to show up bald. Like, he was contractually obligated to be bald. <laughs> Yeah, and then and so yeah, it was. It's the it's the and I'll be honest with these SmackDown recaps as well. I kind of half tuned out because it sure. felt really. Pa- it was really padding. It's like it's a it's a forty five minute episode of Velocity. But if you're like watching through SmackDown and Raw and everything from this era, you don't need to watch what was genuinely longer than the Cruiserweight match. I checked no. the time. You you the can you can absolutely segment, skip the recaps yeah. if you're already seeing it. Yeah, yeah. The SmackDown segment was about like fifteen minutes, and the Cruiserweight match was about twelve. Jeez. So it was like way longer. Uh, but yeah, it's Maven, you know, coming out, calling Kurt Angle bald, him challenging him, and then Edge and Christian get involved, because of course they do. Um, it, besides it being, like, padded, uh, the only comments I have is, why did they mention Elton John? <laughs> Which is just a really weird mention of being, like, he looks at Kurt Angle's big fluffy wing and goes, ah, oh, Elton John, sure. Mm, yeah, not so sure about that one. And also, because uh, I did at least pay attention to the tag match that ensued, which was Maven and uh, Edge versus Christian and Kurt Angle. Good wow, match. Maven's, wow, Maven's green as hell, though. He's uh, he's very green. <laughs> Ed, Ed, yeah. Once again, Edge and Kurt were absolutely the workhorses in that match. Which, you know, hey, yeah. 
put those two together in any combination you like, and I am a happy man. And yeah. that will be part of the booking philosophy going forward, as we will get to mm. down the line. It was, it, yeah, it, it was, it was, a, it was a nice. I mean, also the velocity thing only showed like half the match. Sure. It showed like the second half of it. So yeah, the only thing I was like is, you know, I I like Maven, but he definitely looked green here. Like there was a bit where he like mounted. I think it was Christian to beat him down, mm. and then forgot that he had to beat him down. So he was just sat on him for a sec. Before he just went to, it was like, oh, I've got to probably do a punch here. Yeah, and then just finally started hitting him in the face. Maven very yeah, much yeah. A, a rough little stone that needs polishing, but he's. Yeah. Um, he, I tell you what, though, he does have promise. As I mm. think, as long it, at this point, bearing in mind he's still only like a year and a half into his career, really. Yeah, I think as long as they keep him in, like you know, your tag matches, your multi-man matches, and he's doing largely basic stuff, Maven's pretty inoffensive at worst and good at best. Yeah, I am, um, and also, also, I, I wasn't a fan of the uh, recap because, like, oh, I want more velocity action. Mm. But I, you know, I get it. If it's like on TNN, like people needing to, if they can't see SmackDown, they're like, oh, I haven't on SmackDown. Exactly, it worked for the for the benefit of the podcast. Then I suppose we should explain. Um, the listeners will have noticed that I uh, alluded to Kurt's hair in the recap segment at the start of the, the episode. Um, mm. Kurt is doing one of my very favourite gimmicks in all of oh, wrestling. It's, so, it is, it's it is the such funniest fucking gag you can possibly do to follow up a hair versus hair. <laughs> Kurt came out to the ring with a full head of hair and a big wrestling <laughs> headset. Like it, it's ob- It's so obviously a wig. It's as funny as fuck, and he's selling it like it's his real hair. And he was saying like, "Oh, you know, he's taken hair hair restorer, and it's miraculously regrown his hair in four days." Because obviously the payoff is the fans have to see him bald. And this is something every time WWE do a hair versus hair, this is what you're going to end up getting. And it's funny yeah. every fucking time. Mm-hmm. But also, it's it, it's like it's the prime of Kurt Angle yeah. going for like also like his first couple of years was him being like you know true Olympian, big Olympic hero, and then whatever being a big heel, and then it was like him going oh a big heel and also really good at comedy. He is so really, fucking funny, Kurt Angle. Yeah, really just natural. Like like he has this, and then he obviously does like the weird like cowboy hat stuff with the uh, Stone Cold. Austin. Yeah. yeah. And then also, as you mentioned with Edge, he has one of the greatest comedy segments of all time with Edge that comes up with the sign taking the piss out of Kurt Angle. Oh, with yeah, the, Kurt... with, with the way he's holding the, the photos up and he says, I, yeah, I yeah, suck. Yeah, he's showing him through, he's like, all these. Yeah. They, it's like, I suck, I'm terrible at wrestling. They rehashed that recently. Did you, did you see, like, yeah. Kurt showed up it on was, um, Raw? on Raw, yeah. And it was like, it was almost like, it was like a little after 20 years to the day sort of thing. And, yeah. like, Edge did the same gag again, and instead of it saying, I suck, it said, I still suck, which I thought was quite sweet. Aww. Yeah, I, I I watched that episode because Kurt turned up like to the, help the street profits, which is weird. Yeah, um, it was a very weird episode of Raw. But yeah, no, I I I, just, I like Kurt during this era. Kurt's uh, fantastic. And yeah, Kurt Kurt is like he he's two thousand and two to me. Like him, yes. Brock, uh, and a lot of the WCW guys who sort of end up peppered in the bottom of the pool. As like a lot of them, like Jerry feels like two thousand and two as well. Sure. Like, the the, the so. next, I'd say the from here and probably maybe the next eighteen months of this period, Kurt is pretty much the guy really on yeah. SmackDown. And he that's not necessarily to say he's in the main event, that's not necessarily to say he's the most important character, but he is the most consistent and they can put him in any role and it will get over. And Yeah, and he's definitely he's definitely taking the top guy role for a couple of years here oh, yeah. until you get like you, you, oh, you get yeah. like your seeners you get your seeners and your SmackDown sixes in like yes. the next couple of years, but at this point, you've got. You put at this point, you've got a really nice Kurt Angle filling the top spot, feeling well, like Mister Two Thousand and Two. Well, this is it because technically speaking, Kurt was the number two draft pick after The Rock, and yeah. The Rock has not been around. So effectively, Kurt mm. is the brand's top star. 
Well, because at this point, The Rock's filming The Scorpion King. Um, <laughs> oh, the, the, Rock, the Rock isn't... He's not got one foot out the door. He's, like, sat in the car looking at the door. <laughs> the door's in his rearview mirror at this point. Off he goes over the horizon. Also, uh, just to move on the thing to continuing 2002, uh, two men who I wish I didn't remember from 2002 could come up next. <laughs> oh, do you mean uh, Hardcore Holly versus the Big Valboski? How do you, you like me now? How do you like, How do you like me now? It's Bobcore. <laughs> we like a bit of Bobcore, don't we? Also, I just wanted to note, because I just really like looking at this era, this was sponsored by AT&T, Starburst, and Castrol Oil, mm. which is just a real... An eclectic mix. <laughs> yeah, so you've got... You've got You've got Hardcore Holly against uh, Big Valboski, Val Venus, yes. which, by the way, absolutely, I, I get annoyed nowadays where, like, uh, Michael Cole calls Shinsuke Nakamura Shin, or, like, shortens people's names. Mm. I wish he did it back here, because when he calls this match as Hardcore versus Valboski all the time, it's terrible. It's a clunk Call him Holly and call him yeah. Val. Yeah, it's so... So, yeah, you've got, you've got Hardcore Holly... And by the way, I like Hardcore Holly. I don't like his opponent. No. I, <laughs> do you know, I've kind of come around on Hardcore because mm-hmm. I, certainly he was a guy and I think... He was a knob. He, he, he was, yeah, he had a reputation of being an absolute dick. Um, and I I don't know what it is, whether it's sort of me just sort of revisiting his matches and realising actually he's pretty decent in the ring, he's a good hand, or whether yeah. it's that and a combination of, you know, I've read snippets of his autobiography and he seems like a very decent sort of guy and he accepts his shortcomings and I kind of believe his defense of himself a little bit. He seems like an alright sort of guy. Whereas Val Venus, I used to think was pretty cool and he's the worst piece of fucking shit on the planet. Fuck yeah, you. I, I'm a, I'm a, I, I like Hardcore Holly. He's like, you know, he's, he's one of those sort of like weird mid-card guys mm. where you look back and go, oh yeah, Bobcore, that's yeah. cool. Um, he's, he comes out, and also, I've, I've, I've watched a couple of Hardcore Holly matches, he looks really big here. Yes. I don't know what he's done here, but this man looks huge compared to regular Hardcore. He has been hitting the like gym he... and hitting some rookies while he was at it, probably. He, yeah, he looks like, he, Daniel Pewter has taken many more lashes <laughs> from Hardcore Holly. Uh, the Rumble, he's just redone the Rumble match. No, he looks like he's, he looks like, like, Popeye's spinach has been injected Yeah, he, this is around really the time big. that he's uh, a trainer on Tough Enough 2. Yes. Um, that well, actually, Which to be becomes, fair, they, they'll, have, yeah. they'll have wrapped on that because they mentioned the finale, and that was a live one uh, from uh, the world in New York. So that's mm-hmm. all sort of pre-recorded at this point. But yeah, that's not the series of Tough Enough where he beat the absolute dog fuck out of Matt Capitelli. Uh, yeah, so Hockaholic, great. Valvin is awful. I wrote transphobe in chief down in my notes when he came. Piece out. of shit. Uh, Absolute piece of shit. Massive piece of shit. Also speaking of pieces of shit, second appearance of boobs on this show, <laughs> Michael Cole, while introducing the big Valboski, the crowd camera pans to a person in the crowd. There's a woman who's got, she's rather well endowed in the chest area, and Michael Cole, midline introducing Valboski, goes, ooh, and forgets what he's saying. It, yeah. <laughs> it, mm. In the worst, like, misogynistic, just like, oh, boobies, ooh, boobs. And bearing so... in mind this one was done in post, they probably should have cut yeah. that out, because that's not especially nice to do to a fan. No, because they had yeah, just a random woman the camera panned to, and it was like, oh, boobs, I love boobs. Yeah. Um, Weird. This one has a nice bit of oh. nice bit of chain wrestling to start. I thought I hated this match. But I'm I thought sorry, it, I, I thought honestly <laughs> it was it was very 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 basic stuff. I wrote down a match nobody ever wanted <laughs> when I when I watched this together like, at last. It's, 
Because also, because like you start with like the big cruiserweight badge, and Tajiri versus Billy Kidman, lovely as sort of like, you know, high flying, big jumping man. Mm. This one, you've got Hardcore Holly, big massive man, yeah. and Val Venus, who I wrote down, looks like he's built wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, he, he's built like, he's built like a muffin. Like, you have like the big muscles at the top mm-hmm. that he's got, like big muscly arms and big chest. Really? And then at the bottom, it just like tapers to a point. And he just, he's moving around, he just doesn't, he just doesn't look correct to me <laughs> when he's moving around, which is really off putting. Like, entirely there for him. And this, yeah, this match is not... Uh, my issue with this match... I mean, you said, like, yeah, chain wrestling, good, all right match. But it is just an advert for Tough Enough. Pretty much. The thing is, both of these guys are a good hand in the ring. Val is... He's a dickhead now, uh, you know, in real life. But he, here he yes. is in 2002. He's a good wrestler. I can't take that away from him. Hardcore Holly is a, a good, solid hand in the ring. You know, two good wrestlers. And they're just putting on a very basic five minute match and it's he was yeah it was it was clearly just so they could bring in the al snow was on commentary and he'd had a guy in tough enough to yeah hardcore holly was managing somebody else in tough enough to it was clearly just these guys are tough enough involved we'll use this to hype up the the live tough enough thing is going to be happening sure there is you should go check it out there is a little bit where the two of them uh, exchange chops and bob quite likes it when his opponents hit him quite stiff in the ring, so he'll have enjoyed that one. Dirty, dirty man. (laughs) Because that was a very, very stiff exchange of chops, it must be said. Uh, There was a point, though, where I think Bob just decided, fuck it, I'm going to kill both of your finishers. Um, Because he takes, you know, Val hits him with the Fisherman Suplex, gets a two, hits him with the Blue Thunderbomb, gets a two, so that's both of Val's finishers in the toilet now. Also, Val, we are the second match in on a velocity with three matches, and Val Venus has already copied a move from Tajiri in this match, which is Tajiri going for the thing and landing straight on his face. Val does the exact same. Yeah. Jumps and just lands um, just flat on the mat. Goes for the, goes, and... goes for the money shot and just eats dog dirt. By the way, like I, this is so weird. Like They they stopped saying Val Venus was a porn star because, you know, obviously they couldn't get away with that once the network sort of clamped down a little bit. Yeah. They hmm. changed his name because Venus sounds like penis, and, you know, that was the joke, and they can't call him that now, so whatever. They're still calling this the money shot, though. Now, guys, yeah. I'm not being funny, and I don't want to get too into it, but we know what a money shot is. <laughs> That's not subtle. To be fair, this is kind of the era where, like, John Cena had the shut the fuck up, the STF. Oh, he did, and, and he, he... The five-knuckle shuffle, which persists. Yeah, which was a wanking. Yeah. Which, yeah, the five-knuckle shuffle, which was just a wanking metaphor. So I feel, I feel like they were, they were happy to go from blatant he's a porn star to just... He's he's the big Valbowski. He's like the big Lebowski. Yeah, he's he a big likes guy. women. He's a bit sexy. He likes boobs. So does Michael Cole. Uh, <laughs> yeah, one of those. <laughs> but also the issue that I've got with him when he's removed like the like towel and hello ladies. Like, he's still got hello ladies. Hello like, he's ladies. The, hello ladies. What is removed? The, I don't, yeah, it's a good for him. I, when they've removed that, it kind of just makes Val look like a big sweaty like pile of meat instead. Mm. Like he's sort of removing like it's kind of like with Kidman where you remove his character, he just kind of looks generic. You remove the character from Val, he just looks like he looks like a big just steroid. He's boy. just, kind of just what he yeah. comes across as. I, I said I said that he comes across very loud. Yes, like <laughs> I guess is how you put him across here. But yeah, he um yeah as you said, he goes for all his moves and Hardcore Holly just. Decides, nope. I'm, what's, your finish? what's your finish? So I can kick Can't out. Can't wait of it. to kick out of it. Uh, um, the, and, oh my god, the ending to this made me fucking piss myself. Such a shit pin. It's such a bad ending. Bob so nails Val with a drop kick and gets the win of it. Yep. He 
just all these big moves that you could use here for this big episode of Velocity, he decides I'm gonna win just with a transitional move into a pin. So. Now, to their to their credit, and this is something that they mention on commentary actually, Hardcore Holly's dropkick is fucking beautiful. I can't take that away from it. It is picture perfect. If you Yeah, it's really if, nice. if you had to mocap someone's dropkick, it would be hardcores. It's fucking great. It's not a finisher though, is it, lads? No, I, I mean he's, he's got he's got a better drop kick than Kidman earlier on mm, the show. That's as for well. sure. Kidman's is really nice. So I I don't remember at what point he innovated the Alabama Slam. I don't know if he's come up with that yet, actually. Because like, that like, was his feud with Brock. That's the that's kind that's of when he a, did it. Wasn't yeah, it? that's yet to come. That that's sort of he faces Brock in oh three, and then and then, and his, then neck his, his neck is broken, and then he challenges him for the title in oh four. Yeah, so, so I think that's I think that's when he started doing like Alabama Slam. Yeah, which is a cool move. Sort of it. Yeah, and 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 it pleases me greatly to see that Cody Rhodes uses the Alabama Slam now because he was he was in a tag team with Bob, so that's quite nice. Yeah, just before Legacy happened <laughs> yeah. as well, which is a weird part of history. Isn't it just? Uh, also, uh, uh, another note to make by the way, as this match ends, uh, Al Snow, my favorite commentator of all time. Um, <laughs> Jesus, um, he, so there's a, the, the big move, obviously, big drop kick from, uh, Huckle Holly. Al Snow's reaction is, ah, <laughs> and then the match ends. <laughs> he just, so he great. has a reaction to a big move by going, oh, Jesus. And then, and then, immediately, they just move straight away from the match, and Al Snow growls again, because the boobs are on screen, and he again goes, like, woof, woof, bark, 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 like a, a, a dog on a leash. Uh, it's not good. It's really <laughs> Whatsoever. Not. Uh, did we have another recap segment here? Uh, we did. Um, they so they go to they go to another advert. I at least noted these because I, again I presumed that you wouldn't because you were you presumed not, correctly. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you you you've seen these, you've watched the shows. I appreciate I you being on here. the ball in a way that I'm not. Uh, yes. Um, so my, so they go back from the advert, and Michael Cole in a very interesting line says, "We're having a gay old time here." I noted that. Yeah. <laughs> now now Katie now Katie yes. I am not qualified to have a gay old time because I'm very 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 cis and very white and very boring <laughs> so were you, were you as a member of the LGBT community were you having a gay old time I mean after Shajiri Billy Kidman it was an alright gay old time I wouldn't describe it as a gay old time after Val Venus versus Hardcore Hollow it's definitely not a gay old time where they then lead into another recap which was the sn- sponsored by Snickers Cruncher Rewind which was a weird segment, mm. uh, which was, I think, uh, uh, it was a recap of, I think, WrestleMania or something, or it was a recap of some, oh, that might have been later. There was, there was some rewind here. I think it was a rewind to, I think, the previous pay-per-view that had happened, and then they start talking about King of the Ring. Yes, this is, this is our this. first sort of mention of uh, King of the Ring being the next pay-per-view, which is exciting. That's a yeah. good fucking show, by the way. So I, I think it was, whatever the pay-per-view was before this, I forgot That'll to be that. Judgment Day. Yes, oh, it was, yeah, it was Judgment Day, they did a recap to, uh, I think, oh no, it was a recap to Kurt Angle getting his head shaved, like the actual shaving segment him. Right, 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 right. Yeah, so, yeah, Snickers Cruncher, sponsored, I, I, I don't know why I keep knowing the sponsors, but they're really funny, it really dates it. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, they do the Snickers Rewind, and then we come back, and finally, after this recap, uh, well, actually, just before that recap, we have the big segment, which is Hulk Hogan. Um, and, oh Jesus Christ, this was also longer than the Cruiserweight match. Um, they had, it was the segment where Hogan came out and there was rumours about Hogan retiring and then Vince comes out and goes, Hogan, retire, and Hogan says no. Uh, it was, I had to skip through this. I, I've seen this segment before, I've seen this, it was just Hogan 
being Hogan and Vince being Vince and Hogan going, let me tell you something, brother Vince. And that was it. It was the whole segment. No match even, nothing that comes out of it. There was just stuff and things and just Hogan being Hogan. And yeah, no, thank you. I don't want to watch Hogan on my it Velocity episode. It was very, very strange. Like the whole, it was, it was basically the main event of SmackDown was Hogan was going to retire and then Hogan didn't retire. So, well, that was pointless then, wasn't it? Thanks, lads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always, again, also, I get that, again, Velocity is just, like, the B-show. I felt like doing these big recaps of the Kurt, Maven, Edge, Christian, and the... Throw another match in. Yeah. Like, give us, like, give us, like, two random mid-card... Like, a mid-card versus a Cruiserweight, maybe. Give us, like, whoever's here in 2002. Hurricane! Have him defend his Cruiserweight title against, I don't know, uh, who's around at this point? Uh... Erin Courageous from WWE, sure. <laughs> listen, listen, Hurricane, he's been having a busy old week. He's dealing with some beef in his locker, all right? No, yeah, he's got some jerky, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think we focused enough earlier on the fact that beef jerky is a prominent storyline. I, really I genuinely, genuinely cannot remember where this storyline goes, so I am delighted <laughs> to be baffled by the jerky. Oh, I am! I am excited to learn what happens with the beef. Me too. And speaking of speaking of uh, beef and things that are prominent on the screen, <laughs> we get off. We get. We get to. No, no, um, shame on you! <laughs> oh, hey, come on! Right, first of all, uh, it is now the main event: the Trish Stratus versus uh, Stacy Keebler, Vince's valet, Bra and Panties. Bra and Panties. And by the way, women's championship match. Can you believe I wrote there that is sentence? When when this happens, it is five minutes left in the show, so you can tell how long the show's mm, gonna be. Yes. They they do a very unsubtle thing here, which is why I'm like, it's so prominent, because it opens with you can buy Stacey Kubler's theme forcible entry. Which they put prominently on the screen and go, buy now, forcible entry on CD. And it was like, okay. And then while they're doing that, Al Snow, in his infinite wisdom, makes that a link towards Stacey Keep. And I'm not going to say any more on that. We're going to move on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Stacey Keebler comes out. Stacey Keebler is appearing for the brown panties in her best New Japan Young Lion. Gear. <laughs> um, just, just, just completely, just clearly easy to ripped off clothing. She, she's we'll got, she's got a little, little mini skirt on and a black top. I think. Yes, yeah. and then Trish comes out in her full ring gear. She has full like a big like latex long like flared pants and a cowboy hat. All her full gear. Except you... her coat is a little smaller than usual. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, because we've got to accentuate her assets for this match. Yeah, because obviously, the, you know, they're always covering those up on Trish Stratus, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought, I thought, and to, without getting to William Regal kayfabe on a bra and panties <laughs> match, I thought it was very unfair that you send Stacey Keebler out in really easy to rip off clothing, whereas Trish Stratus has on uh, bottoms that are impossible to remove. Because they're tight on her body. That was unfair stipulation for Stacey. Well, that is why Trish is the champion. She has the champion's mindset. Stacey, with that rookie planning, just not thinking it through, you know? So I do appreciate that in a match that is clearly not a wrestling match, Michael Cole tries to pretend that it's a wrestling match. Yeah, that's kind of funny. He goes, he goes, oh, it's a bra and panties type contest. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just boobs, Michael Cole. Now, for the benefit of those of you who are unfamiliar with uh, this period of wrestling history and are joining for a little uh, history lesson, uh, the bra and panties match is kind of an infamous relic of the Ruthless Aggression Era. We don't get them anymore. Uh, I don't miss them, and I don't want them to come back. Although they are fun in Day of Reckoning 1 on the GameCube. Because <laughs> I like any game where you have to mash the buttons. That's fun. But basically, the rules are thus. 
Uh, you have to strip your opponent to their bra and panties, and when you do that, you win. And, ooh, lads, it's not aged very well. If you want a wrestling-style actual match to link to, imagine a two-out-of-three falls match. But the first fall is remove the top, and the second fall is remove the bottom. Mm. And that's how you win. It's, 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 it's a, it's a... I want to know. I want to be there in the meeting where Vince had looked at, you know, his wrestling before. You had the 80s, you know, you have Alundra Blaze, you have uh, Bull Nakano, and he looks yeah. at that. And you look at the WCW women's, uh, like, roster that has, like, you know, a lot of good women doing a lot of good wrestling. And you look at the previous stuff that you had in WWE in, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. That woman's roster there that was also pretty good. You yeah, got people absolutely. like Jack and stuff. Like, really, like, some really, like, good matches back then. You got all those, like, women who are wrestling there. And then Vince going, oh, I've got these women's matches that people are actually enjoying. What I need to do is take all these women and put them in the knickers. That's the wrestling that I want to take all the way until the Divas era is yeah. what I want to put in. I want to I be in the meeting where Vince said that and everyone in the meeting who were all 50-year-old white men mm. When yeah, that's perfect. Just immediately we'll a round of applause. Like, Brilliant, Vince. Brilliant. Thank you. You've saved the yeah. company. We're going to turn the fortunes around. WrestleMania 17 is going to look like fucking December to dismember. Jesus. Yeah. It was, so, I don't know how, like, actual fair wrestling notes you wrote. I tried. I really tried. I tried a little to, bit. Uh, I, yeah. I got this note here where Michael Cole says that Vince has stacked the deck against Trish in this match, and that <laughs> is probably the most desperate attempt at creating stakes I have ever heard on commentary. I don't see how he can possibly stack the deck against her. It's a horny blow-off to a horny feud, and he stacked the deck to try and add story, but no, we just want to see these women in their underwear. Yeah. It's, it's a real shame. Like, this is... Like, don't get me wrong, Stacey, uh, you know, as I think we've alluded to on previous episodes, she's not a wrestler in the way that a lot of the women's wrestler, uh, wrestler are. She is what you might class uh, as an eye candy, you know, a female. She's, she's a valet, largely. Yeah, so um, her actual character was being Vince's A, yeah. or valet, or, and like, receptionist Stacey, or something like that. Stacey plays the, the character very, very well, and I really like, you know, anytime she shows up, you know you're going to get something quite fun, like she she had some stuff with Test on screen this past week, and it's throwing in an extra layer to what's going on with her and Vince and Randy Orton in this incredibly convoluted Oh yeah, they were mentioning like that in. story. Yeah, they were, I, I was. I'll be honest. I was. I was trying to like pay attention to all the things, but like, they were like rookie Orton and Test and Vince and Trish and it was like all right. And the, and both of the Dudley boys match. and Batista, they've all been involved. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's gotten a little bit untidy, lads. I've got to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, so yeah, this is gets into the match itself. Match. Yeah. I say match. It gets into the the porn itself. Uh, just unnecessary you know so yeah stacy does a slam down to trish and that's pretty much the only wrestling move pretty much um, um after after stacy gets trish down al makes an incredibly misogynistic joke he says it, shockingly he says it's easy for anyone to get stacy's clothes off yeah and then he, michael he, yeah, cole they... michael cole stony stony face brave michael cole in response really doesn't try very hard at all not to laugh at that joke it's um yeah it's, it's it's just it's just an excuse for two men to be on commentary going it's um, yeah so Trish takes the first fall in the two out of three fall style uh she is in the corner and gets her top taken off because she's put in the tree of life. See, this is so adorable to me because like 
Stacy puts Trish in the tree of woe, but Trish is so fucking small that she has to put her on the second term buckle instead of the top term yeah. buckle to do it. Because Trish is so fucking dinky. It's the cutest thing. And then the crowd pops because they see a pink bra, which, you know, you could go on the internet and get much better, everybody. This is wrestling. Yeah, but we got to remember, right? we got to remember, this is 2002. It took you, like, a full 90 seconds to connect to the internet. You were waiting a good old while to look at a pink bra on the internet back in them days. No, it's it's fine. You just went down to your kitchen and you told your mum to not use the phone. And then you ran upstairs <laughs> and quickly went to the thing and really quickly got AOL up. And was like, ah, and then loaded an image of Trish. Did you, did you ever, like, you know, forget about the whole internet thing and pick the phone up to make a call while you were connected to the internet doing the days of dial-up and you just get... Down you, your forget how, you forget how young I am. Oh, I'm only 22. Oh, right. I never had dial-up. I never had dial-up. My first time on the internet was 2007 when we were still ha- we had actually wired internet. Wow. Uh, we didn't, I, never, I never got AOL. So. Let me, I mean, let I me tell it, you. Let me tell yeah. you. Gather around the old elderly wise <laughs> like we don't want we, we don't want to talk about the Brian Patrick. Anything but. Anything but. We're talking about modem, me. yes. Uh, we get uh, Stacy gives Trish the Keebler kick, and then yeah. follows up with Aslap. Uh, she goes yep. for Trish's trousers, and Trish, her, her bum is out, and the crowd are like, "Yay, a bum!" Ooh. But uh, Trish rolls Stacy up and uh, pulls off her skirts, and yeah, her top. Her, I think she got her top off like. Pretty much immediately after Stacy uh, got Trish's top off, and the it was, was it was right they they were going into they were just they were basically doing I call it chain wrestling. It's not chain. They were like <laughs> they were in they were on the floor. Trish managed to very sneakily get the top off of Stacy. Stacy rolled her over, as you said, uh, showed her barely even like any underwear on. By the way, it was pretty much just a bare ass mm. was what they put out. And then she rolls her over. Looks like she's going for a pin attempt. And I was like, what the f- what the? That's not you're in the wrong match. Uh, yeah. And then. Yeah, rips off the clothes of Stacy. The crowd goes, well, hey, I wrote just two big words at the end of my notepad, which say fuck and off. So, <laughs> after, I... after the match, Stacy tries to attra- uh, attack Trish and Trish gives her a chick kick. And that's the end of that. And I personally, I don't know about you, I felt genuinely, I felt dirty after watching that. I, I, so I, I kind of just didn't linger on it at all. I went, okay, I've watched this. I'm just going to move on and just not acknowledge mm. this. Cause it's, it's one of those things where like, even looking back at the era, as I said, it's like, okay, this is a bit, it's a bit too porno, porno, even for 2002. Yeah. I was just like, I was just like, okay, this is a relic of its time. I'm going to sit there and do nothing and move on. I wrote fuck off and I just moved on to confidential. Pretty I just ran much. away. I, I just left it. I I would have been 14 when this aired. So you were... I would have been two. <laughs> oh, oh, I feel very old. <laughs> so I I would have been I would have been in pretty much the demographic that they were trying to appease with this match. Like, oh look, women, hey, you've got hormones, haven't you, lad? You fucking disgusting little bastard. Like I, these kinds of matches do nothing for me, just nothing at all. The thing, the thing I don't get, and I get like obviously you know, eye candy is uh, it's it's been a thing in wrestling for ages. Like even when you have like old valets, like sure, and, and like you stuff. know, don't you know, please don't misunderstand me when I say eye candy. I don't yeah. mean that as a derogatory term. That yeah, that yeah, yeah, is yeah. a role in wrestling. It's 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 a thing. You, you like you know, you can go from all the levels of like gorgeous George in WCW mm. being with uh, Macho Man Absolutely. all the way to ECW, all the way to ECW bringing in actual porn stars to like be valets for the. There wrestlers. there are levels, yeah. <laughs> Yes, there are there are different there are different levels, but it's definitely it's one of those things which is like, and even actual women who are doing proper actual wrestling gimmicks can do a 
eye candy character. Sure. Like a Mandy like Mandy Rose, you know, toxic attraction. That is three women who are know they're attractive and that's their character yeah. and that's good. But you know, it's to take that and then but instead what you're doing is just taking Trish, whose Trish's character is not I'm a big sexy lady. Trish's character is everyone in Canada loves her. And she's, you know, she is Trish Stratus. <laughs> which, is, really... which is her character to this day. <laughs> yeah, that's why she brought her out for that episode in Toronto yeah. overall. Um, and every year. Um, <laughs> but it's, um, it was, yeah, it's just like, I don't, I don't know why this was the choice they made. And I don't know why they had to, like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand why this is a choice. This is doing absolutely nothing for the women's division, I must say. Now, I, I can say, I, I can, I can promise you, dear listeners, it does get better for the women after this. Even if only for a little while, it does get better. The next couple of months are leading into some good stuff. We've got some of my very favourite female performers. Mickey James and Lita are coming up as two, like, yeah, you've got, you, yeah, yeah, Mickey James, yeah, she's on the horizon. We've got, <laughs> Uh, we've got Molly Holly is uh, becoming a more prominent character, and I approve of that. She's going to be feuding with Trish not too long after now. And after that, we have Victoria coming along, and that's oh, one of my great. all-time favourites. Victoria's fantastic. Love Victoria. Love so, Victoria. 2002 does end on a better, a better note than it begins. Can't get much worse. No, it really can't. <laughs> it, it, this oh, is... No, you know what? This is bottom of the barrel stuff, and I genuinely felt quite bad for both of these women, especially Trish, because she's the champion, and I feel like you know yeah. she should be. It was something a bit better. It was this episode of Velocity being like the opener. It, as I said, it was like you have to Jerry and Billy Kidman opening this episode. It's really promising because mm. I really, I really enjoyed that. It was match. a good match, and yeah, and then you have the filler Val Venus versus Huckle Holly. Fine, and then it's it. I, I don't get building a show the wrong way around. This, this was absolutely great. fucking backwards, this show, yeah. Yeah. Like, I get, obviously, what would, what the logic is, is if you start with the bra and panties match, all of the kids in the crowd will have just, all the teenagers will have just lost their minds and not be able to focus on that. Of course. <laughs> uh, but just, oh, I can't watch Hardcore Holly because I've lost my mind because I've seen a woman in her underwear. My <laughs> word. But it was... I, it's, 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 it shows the promise of the era and then just poos all over it. It doesn't do just. Yes. Oh dear. Not a not not the best start for Velocity, unfortunately, but no. Velocity will get better as well. Um, for future Velocity, give me more of Tajiri versus Kid versus yes, please. Less, less women in their underwear. Absolutely. It's probably there. Shall we move on to Confidential then? I will say, and this will come up later on for Confidential, I need to point out that our boob count is at three. <laughs> and this will go up higher as we realise. Oh, what you're, you're counting them in pairs. I was like, how can there only be three boobs? <laughs> <laughs> It's that woman from uh, Total Recall. <laughs> Started in 2015, the Bargog cast was started by three mates looking to watch and critique every WrestleMania in order. As Andy, Ian and Lewis explore the history of marquee WWE pay-per-views, they also have to navigate the problematic business practices of one Vince McMahon. And as a result, they now watch and review pay-per-views from other promotions. So join us as we desperately cling on to any semblance of love for professional wrestling on the wonderfully intermittent wrestling podcast, The Bar Godcast. Right then, Confidentiale is the next one. And on the network, this one has the episode title of Shawn Michaels and the Montreal Incident. Oh, that incident. That, oh, just the incident. Oh, remember when Shawn Michaels went to Montreal and he lost his keys in the McDonald's? I... I need to lose... We're going to lose our mind later, and I can tell we're going to have, like, a long rant. But this episode is 
It's so much a lie. It's just a bollocks. It's so... I, I don't want to get too angered at, you know, the WWE writing wrong about the Montreal Screwjob. But it's, they say that the, the way they build this episode, and we'll get to that in a bit before we go like through the actual order of the mm. episode, is they build it as we finally reveal all on the most like <laughs> divisive and important incident <laughs> in wrestling. And Mean Gene hypes it up as like, we are going to look into the most important thing ever in wrestling, the most like divisive thing ever in wrestling. We're going to pull back the curtain. You wouldn't fucking know it come the end of this episode, I can tell Yeah, you. you'll be able to, you'll see what happens in Montreal and you'll learn the true story. No, Williams they Fox. don't. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> I don't know if he noticed you... this actually, just to sort of jump back a little bit. Uh, hyping this episode upon Velocity, they were talking about how Shawn Michaels was going to tell us the truth. He was finally yeah. going to, he was finally going to give us his side of what had happened in Montreal. And honestly, Needn't have bothered me, because as it turns out, Brett's side was the truth all along, dickhead. Also, Al Snow on commentary, uh, just, you know, again, in his... Without, you know, I've got to get one more shot in at the worst (laughs) commentator of all time. Um, Al Snow going, oh, I'm really excited to hear what Sean has to say. Fuck off, no you're not. (laughs) Shut up, Al. You sound so insincere, my friend. It says here, I'm really interested. Michael Gall has told me before the ad break that I need to be really excited <laughs> so, about this match. So, Confidential, then, for those of you who don't know, was a... Oh, I never I never knew this was a thing, by the way. I'd never actually heard of Confidential No, this, this was a magazine show, basically. So you've got lots of little different segments. We've got behind-the-scenes stuff. We've got uh, wrestlers going on tour and the camera crew follows them. We've got in-depth personal profiles. All, you know, every episode is different. They've got a different focus. They've got a different style. I believe they're all on the network. I'm not 100% on that one because the thing with this is some of these segments were reused in later episodes and I think the network versions cut out all the reused ones so you have a tighter presentation on there. Yeah, I I looked for the full actual confidential as it was not used. I mean, I looked I looked it up on the network. I saw the network one. I went to check an actual one that had the full actually listed episode yes. of confidential which is yeah as you say it's like the clips are different because it's one of those shows where you just put in something and you can remove it and you put in something else exactly it, yeah so. it's one you can sort of chop up in syndication and what have you because because this ran for a couple of years so yeah what everything that is old is new again so they could they could rerun some of these segments later yeah because eventually one of your fans in 2006 is not going to have seen that thing in 2002 sure. like ah oh, uh, our host for this uh, ladies and gentlemen, is WWE legend and future Hall of Famer at the time, and uh, fresh out of his WCW contract, it's only bloody Mean Gene Oakland, who... Tarnishing his career, one after a confidential at a little time. bit. He, introdu- <laughs> he introduces himself by saying, Mean Gene Oakland, back here where I belong, and I just had this image of Vince, like, slightly out of shot, stroking a gun, like, good, good, yes, you're back where you belong, tell him that. Just just before we get to Mean Gene introducing, by the way, because again, I mentioned the Velocity intro and like my first reaction to it. I do not like how Confidential looks because it this is, is just a cheap scary. fucking intro. Man. It's a, yeah, it's a cheap intro, but also it is. It's not just a cheap intro, and it's just clearly just clips put together. Mm. But also, it's just the eyeball. Like the logo mm. for Confidential is. It looks like the Big Brother logo. Uh, which is, and frankly, that's an international reference. Uh, like the big, brother lo- the big Brother logo with the eye in the middle, but the eye is just looking around everywhere and peering around. It just looks really not good. And the music is porn music. It's um, it's, It goes like... <laughs> as it's like playing in. And it goes... As you see Jericho on a drum kit and a man playing baseball and an Undertaker on a bike. It's like... <laughs> and get and enough to hijinks. 
Yeah, and then Jean comes and is like, Hello, I'm here where I belong, surrounded by eyes. Mm. Okay, great. Thank you. The set as well is the same set that they would use for Afterburn, the same set they would use for Bottom Line. Uh, It's the same set that Jean would host uh, WWE Classics from uh, a few years later. So I I assume this is at uh, Edit One in Stamford at the uh, at the headquarters. I think also this set has been just rehashed for. I think I feel like this is probably the same set they use for like a SmackDown or whatever. Like probably oh yeah, same, same kind of like yeah, thing. They, like SmackDown talking smack and whatever. Absolutely. This this is so yeah. We don't expect a great deal of budget to a a one hour long show set in yeah. uh, in in this period of WWE history. See, at least now they're excited enough to do these things in front of the fans, you know, while they're all coming into yeah. the arena. Let's have a Talking Smack episode. Mm-hmm. But also, so, yeah, Mean Gene brings us into this episode here on his news round set. <laughs> uh, and... <laughs> That's not an international reference, but I appreciate <laughs> I, it. I, some, t- some of these you'll have to look up later. We're going um, he... to throw to uh, WWE correspondent Lizo Mazimba. Yeah, Lisa. Oh, Miss Lisa. He's a good lad. Uh, <laughs> no, th- two people get this reference. Um, so he, so he hypes up that we're going to see behind the scenes. You know, this is Confidential's big rapport, big like rap sheet is that he's you know going and looking behind. He doesn't, by the way, but he's looking behind <laughs> the veneer of wrestling. And he describes that what they're going to be doing is sometimes getting serious, sometimes probing, and sometimes getting controversial. Controversial. <laughs> Not how you pronounce that word, Mean Gene, that's really controversial. <laughs> but yeah, so he hypes this up as this big, you know, new thing. And as I angrily alluded to, the main cover story is HBK. Yes. Now this, in the Montreal this is split uh, into uh, two parts over the course of uh, the show. So part one is kind of, it's kind of nothing really. Um, it's a little bit of talk. For pretty much for the benefit of new fans that haven't seen a great deal of early Attitude Era, perhaps, and the fans that aren't familiar with the New Generation Era, sort of saying, you know, who is Shawn Michaels? What was his deal? Uh, what do you, you know? What, what do you need to know about Shawn Michaels to be brought up to speed? Yeah, because it's one of those eras where if you entered watching now and you hadn't watched anything else, you had no idea who Shawn. No, I, I had no clue. I um, he was he was one of the guys who. As I started wrestling, he was pretty much leaving, so he yes. was he wasn't really a factor. And then, like he he returns. Uh, spoilers for this twenty year old show. <laughs> he he returns. <laughs> oh my god! He returns very very soon. <laughs> uh, we will be covering that episode. Um, yes, he he returns and has, frankly, possibly a better run than his original run. It's, I think it's I think it's pretty widely regarded that his like is is come back. I'm now a believer in Christ. Like mm. run is better than his original because his original one he was a, as alluded to in the story. He was a knob. He, he was so, he was a bit of a cock, was sure. Uh, I mean, yes. I'll put it this way: there there are like people like to sort of tiptoe around this. Shawn Michaels will be the first one to tell you he was a complete prick back in the day. He, Which he does in the first Absolutely, and well. I appreciate the open candour from Sean. I really appreciate that. Um, the, to the point, though, that, you know, on... I'll, I'll give you a recent example. On Mick Foley's podcast, when they are discussing Sean, uh, and talking about what he's been up to backstage, and bearing in mind Mick Foley liked Sean, and got on with Sean, he's always very careful to refer to Sean Michaels and 
bad Sean, which is early nineties Sean. That's also because Mick Foley is the nicest. He man is on the nice. Planet. Yeah, <laughs> yes, because uh, certain subsections of fans variously know him as Prick Michaels, HB Cock, Cunt Michaels, and one of my personal favourites, which uh, sort of sums it up, is uh, Coke Michaels, because he was absolutely mm. fueled by the nose powder. I appreciate you opening up that cunt is a perfect word to use, because that's pretty much what I wrote as the TLDR for this like first. Yeah, section, sure. Which is was... TLDR. He's a cunt. He was a. He's he knows he is. Yeah. There's a line uh, from Gerald Briscoe, who was one of sort of kind of Vince McMahon's inner circle. Uh, he says that Sean's legacy is that he'll be remembered for his talent, but also being difficult to work with. Which really ages funnily as well. Like this whole, and also again, just to p- preface this, this confidential and velocity feel very similar because they both start really well and then get terrible, mm. and they they kind of mimic each other. Like this one's really good because it's like HBK admitting that like you know he was the guy in the company vince going oh he would absolutely just annoy me and like like i would i didn't want to i was was close to hitting him Mm. gerald briscoe being like oh yeah he'll he'll be remembered as like just a bit of a handful uh and then obviously that ages like milk immediately (laughs) because straight straight away he's like oh all that sean will be remembered for is being a a massive hothead and then sean comes back and has a career renaissance yeah it's so weird because i mean like today i i know there was that story that circulated not too long ago with him being a bit of a cock to put it mildly to i think it was dax um and i'm not excusing that in any way but i think most people these days would say that sean is a pretty fucking great guy and he's kind of he's definitely he's he's yeah, he's taken him being a younger sort of hothead, and he's mellowed Absolutely. out and decided he, to be he, less of a hothead adult. He got clean, he found Christ, he found love, and honestly, I'm happy for him in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, regardless of whether you like him or not, here we are in 2022, the man does tremendous work developing the next generation of superstars, and I think that is a wonderful legacy, almost more valuable than his in-ring legacy, I would say. Yes. So that's that's pretty much. Oh, the, actually, there was a one other thing that I I did think was quite funny. They they were on about how you know Shawn Michaels was you know increasingly sort of hard to work with, and he was you know he was in, going off the rails. And they showed footage of him in his pants being interviewed by Jr. And it's like, okay, but you can't say he's going off the rails on a bit that you filmed and put on telly because because <laughs> he he was meant to do that, wasn't he? That was part of the thing that was happening. You can't say that. You know, show us some sneaky backstage footage of him being a bell end or something. You know. But yeah, that's pretty much it for part one of the interview. And it's honestly, that's a nothing bit. This, I believe this interview carries on into next episode as well. Um, so they, they've kind of split it up and spread it across. Hello, so we are going to get bits that are a bit more substantial than others. And this one was kind of a little bit wet, unfortunately. But it's it's inoffensive. It's, it's okay. This next segment, though, starts in the weirdest fucking way. Gene, I've got here, Gene says, I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. Gene, I need for this not be another masturbation joke. Al put me at my fucking limit. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, you went for the masturbation joke. I went, oh, he knows about the cocaine. It was, (laughs) (laughs) I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. But no, Sean Michaels has done a fuckload of it. (laughs) My word, have you seen how much Rick the Body Martell did? My. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, it's it's so yeah he he hypes up this next segment which is just mm. padding it is just padding absolutely this is like oh we've all done it we've all 
fantasize what it would be like to be our favorite wrestler. I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe maybe this would be something kind of cute. I don't know. Um, it's it's a little quickie segment uh, about uh, the fans. Uh, well, in in modern parlance, uh, cosplaying basically. Yes. As as wrestlers. Um, so we have here a gentleman by the name of Brad Landis. I'm glad we both noted doing... his name down. It was important. Yeah, he's he's doing a bit of gold dust. Uh, the costume is a little bit on the naff side, but I I really like the passion here. To be honest, he clearly loves Goldie. Yeah, I liked the sort of the I liked the level like you know it's obviously someone who cares enough about gold dust that they want to dress as gold dust and do his intro. Sure, bit. but I'm curious why it's here. Is the thing this kind of feels like one of those things that. Who is this kid? Why did he send this in? Was he told, like, you know, oh, we might feature this on a show? Or was Maybe. he just, or was this, like, on an early version of YouTube and they were like, ah, oh, can we put this fun little video on? But it is just, it's a very weird placement for a I kid. I wonder if yeah. this was a tough enough tape. Well, I mean, I didn't look into who Brad Landis is. I didn't, oh, no, no way. I, if I, you're listening, Brad, hi. Yeah, I, 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 presumed, <laughs> I presumed it was just some kind of... I, I presumed, because he seemed like a kid at this point, obviously. Hmm. I, I was very curious what he's doing now. Sadly, Brad Landis isn't, like, too unique of a name, where if you search him up, you, you can sure. find him. But I'm just very curious what Brad Landis is doing now. And to the best of my knowledge, he's not become a WWE superstar. So, oh, but then again, maybe he was put off by the really sneering tone from Gene Okerlund. Here. Yeah, Gene Okerlund also just makes a joke comparing him to Jim Carrey. <laughs> which oh, is... I, I don't think Jim Carrey is going to be out of work next week. <laughs> no, oh, oh, shut up. Yes, Gene, there was. Um, so there, it was. It was adding the segment in here to obviously cut up the show into segments. That's it, it was absolutely yeah. padding, though. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe this is going to be a recurring thing. Maybe we're going to see fans dressed as wrestlers, and that's quite. Cool. And like this is this is the thing when I um when I went to uh, MCon this year, there were loads of people dressed as wrestlers, and I don't think we had any wrestlers in attendance yeah. either. But but like there were people just like wandering around as like the NWO or some, some lady had come as Nikki Bella, and I was like, well, because my cool. my curiosity here is because like they don't do it as like my because my feeling was like if like, you call this a magazine show and it kind of feels like mm. you know in those kids magazines where like you'd have the bit where here is the art that everyone has sent in of some of our characters sure, like you'd yes. have like the, you'd have john age four who's drawn an image of spider-man and he sent it in to us yeah. but i they don't like if i if they were doing that i'd expect oakland to be like if you'd like to send in a tape of something exactly done, yeah you can and, send and... it to wwe titan towers at this exactly address, and we can put it on the next show if we I was expecting that but no, they just go here's Brad Landis looking like gold dust that's funny Oakland's gonna shit on him and then move on <laughs> see it, means... it, it, they could have at least sort of they could have met in the middle and been like well if you think you can do better than Brad you know that you know, kind of like not shit on him but also say you know open the door does your dad people. have a spare tid of gold paint in the shed <laughs> Well, come on, show that you're a better gold dust than Brad. <laughs> on WWE Confidential. And if you're really good, we might even boot Dustin out the door and let you take over the role from him. Who Don't knows? worry, he's going to TNA in a couple of years from now. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't like talking about that, does he? Yeah, that's just why I will not go any further on it. <laughs> It upsets him. And moving I, on from that, poor Goldie. Oh, you've upset me now. Sorry, Goldie. Sorry. We we have another little fun feature at this. Is my favorite bit. This is my favorite bit of the like episode. This. Yeah. This is uh, RVD, and we, uh, we we get to meet his singlet artist, the guy that airbrushes all his really cool, unique 
singlets that he wears to the ring. Joe Holland, you yes. know, the fella that they won't pay to use his art in 2K22. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's... Um, Which is so, why we have generic RVD in yeah, the game. They led into this, like, it was, it was really... This, I, I really like this segment. They led in saying, like, you know, Rob Van Dam, he's an artist, he's like Picasso, da 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 and this is yeah. this is this is the kind of thing that I'd want from like more of the set. Like as we'll get on later, I don't like the rest of the segments on co- this episode of Confidential. Spoilers, mm. but this this one <laughs> being like here's a here's a person you like watching in the ring. Here's a cool part of his character. It's like this like this feels like when they used to do WWE Inked on YouTube, and it'll be like them going through the mm. tattoos that each wrestler has, like yeah. the, like them going for like for example like Luke Gallows's tattoo he has of the club from New Japan. Like this yeah. felt this felt really cool because it was like him going through. He was in Japan. Uh, he was getting. He had his manager, and he wanted to stand out in Japan because he looked. He felt like he looked generic. He was like, "Oh, I you know I need a unique gear," and so he found Joe Holland who did airbrushing. And then it's like a really nice story of how Ravi D got arguably the most iconic part of his like character. And this is a really sure. nice segment for them doing that, and like also showing who his artist is and what his artist got into art stuff. Mentioning how he did like John Travolta's like plain on a jacket and it's just it's a really it's a really fun segment and gear, you know people that design gear and do the art for wrestlers and stuff they are properly unsung heroes yeah. so this is really nice to not only see the guy have his name and then actually see the process of him spraying the art onto a single it's so cool yeah I, like, I could sit and watch an artist draw shit all day i love that that's why it's part of why i love having so many arty friends because i just get to watch yeah. them draw all like, the like if 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 confidential and to be honest like this again i've only watched one episode of this but if i like on the letter ones it's like they get like in you know someone in like batista and it's like Here's the tattoos mm. I've got. Here's my tattoo yeah, artist. Or like that would be cool. Or you bring in Kurt, and Kurt is like, "Well, who's the person who trained me as a wrestler in amateur wrestling?" Here's my, tra-. you know, stuff like that. <laughs> I don't, I don't think you could do that with Kurt, unfortunately. Mm, well, yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> but you know, he, he's no longer with us, unfortunately. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, stuff like that. But yes, no, yeah. that just sort of, just that sort level. of. I, it's kind of like this because it was personal to RVD, mm. and it was nice to have a look at. The man behind the character, and even it, you know, he's he was sort of reduced to, you know, giggling, chuckling. Whoa, that's really cool! Like mm-hmm. by the end of it, which is like not a million miles away from his on-screen persona, no, but he's... you could tell that he's genuinely chuffed with yeah. this little gift that he's got from his friend. And I, I liked as well that he specifically said they are friends. It's not just oh, he's a guy I commission. It's like he's he's my mate. Mm-hmm. I liked as well that he was like. You know, he said these days you can just sort of leave him to do whatever, and maybe give him a phrase or something. Yeah, was, like Mister Monday like, Nights or Mister Paper. Yeah, was the and like he he know he knows what RVD likes on his gear now, so he just does it. And there's yeah. some there's some really iconic ones on here as well, which is cool. So. Yeah, and also then also I just uh, and this is again kind of weird for WWE because as a modern fan, them actually referencing stuff, referencing his run in Japan and the gear he wore in Japan mm. and all this stuff was like, oh yeah, that's a really nice history on Rob Van Dam. And also showed Ian footage of ECW as well. So I was like, oh this is really this is really cool. This is really nice. Yeah. Really good. More segment. of this please. Sadly, there is no more of this <laughs> on this episode. So now, Katie, I have a question for you. Yes, have you ever wondered what it might be like to go home with Trish Stratus? Right, so well, that's... tonight's your lucky night. <laughs> I, I counted this uh, as boob count number four. Asterisk. <laughs> why is Gino Colon so horny? 
Um, he's he, very I, like somebody needs to pour a bucket like, of ice water. There's, over there, the there is a difference between on the Velocity episode, Al Snow and Michael Cole going, "Ooh, Trish and Stacey Keebler." Seeing old, like how old is he? 50, 55, 60, Gene Oakland he's going, getting on. Yeah. Trish Stratus." Like it was not not good, and it was also a lead into a not good segment that was just not great. But the segment was sponsored by three of the most hilarious sponsors I've seen. I noted these. Stacker, Stacker 2 Fatburner. Yes. That's, that's around for a while, that one. Uh, Greyhound Buses. And yes. the Trust Drug. <laughs> Which is, I have not, I tried looking into that. It doesn't come up on Google. I worry yeah, being sold some sort of snake oil. They're, they're one of the regular sponsors of the magazines. Right. Uh, they It's sort of like... It's kind of like, I think it's their version of, well, I was going to say it's their version of D.A.R.E., but I think they have D.A.R.E. in America as well, don't they? You know, so it's like an anti-drug, anti-smoking yeah. kind of campaign that obviously paid rather a lot of money to famously anti-tobacco Vince McMahon to get some ad space in his magazines. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, so Great. that leads us into horny Gene Oakland going, you get to be... <laughs> Going home with Trish Stratus. Oh, you'd love to go home with Trish. This is this is fucking through the keyhole with Trish, except yeah, we don't empty, have to guess whose house yeah. it is because she's there on camera. I wrote MTV Cribs down, which I think is what they were trying to. It, yeah, of, like, now, that, now that you say that, yeah. But I, I, I now, didn't I didn't know if this was before or after, like when MTV Cribs actually happened. I'm not sure, actually. I don't know if there's somehow a precursor to it, but yeah, it, it was very just. It's very. I'm Trish Stratus. This is my home. Have a look into my life. Which and so, some of it's some of it's interesting. Some of it's a little bit on the lengthy side. Yeah, it's 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 the definitely the longest segment in the show. Oh, by far, it goes on for so so long. And I, I'll be honest, I got bored. I I think I wrote in our like messages before we did this thing. I was halfway through. I was just like, kill me. I I don't want to. <laughs> There's, there's, a, there's a point where it's endearing on MTV Cribs where you see all the fun stuff they've got, and then there's a point where I'm looking in your fridge, and I don't care what's in your fridge. And that was what see, this got to. I actually have a note about Trisha's fridge, because I don't understand how someone so tiny can have so much crap in her fridge. The fridge is double the size of her. It's, yeah. <laughs> she's it's so fun, there's small. like Krispy Kreme donuts in there. I'm like, Trish Stratus does not eat Krispy Kreme donuts. I'm not having that. My feeling is that it's, it's her house, and as she said, she's on the road a lot. I feel like they yeah. just were like, oh, we can't just have an empty fridge on this episode <laughs> of MTV Cribs. We can, we've got to fill it with... So they just went to the production truck and was like, all right, let's chuck in here Krispy Kreme and some fruit and whatever. Yeah. Uh, there are, I mean, there are some... I, I, I'm, I'm shitting on this segment, but there are some interesting bits that caught my eye in this whole thing. Mm. Which is mainly her. What? So what, what stood out to you? Mainly, uh, and because I am, as many people you've had on this podcast, a figure collector. I liked the bits where she was showing <laughs> what was on her shelves, like Rocky and like some hockey figures and the Austin Powers figures, which was really weird. That she had yeah, she, she she's definitely a figure nerd. Is yeah. Trish. she's she's got like like you say she's got movie character figures. She's got. Because she's a big old Canadian hockey nerdo, she's got figures of mm-hmm. hockey players, and then she's got like six shelves of WWE. Yeah, she clearly probably nowadays has to have like a whole room for all the Mattel ones they put out. But yeah, she's got sure she's got a massive then, collection of it, which was fun. That was an interesting. Yeah, I, that was sweet. I liked that. Cause, like she clearly, clearly she is a fan, and I like that. I yeah. like when wrestlers like wrestling. That's nice. Yes. And then she she makes this comment. She's like, "Oh, uh, you'll note there's." Uh, 
there's still no Trish Stratus figure here, but hopefully soon. I was like, Trish, that's bollocks. There's definitely a Trish Stratus figure. I looked up on like an online wrestling figures database. She had not had an action figure at this point. Ooh. Also, she gets one. She gets one soon. Uh, in which, in you know, the way they sort of pose them in the box, she seems to be clotheslining Jeff Hardy. So beautiful. good on you, Trish. Good on you. Also, uh, very interesting with that. You say she says Trish Stratus figure. She says Trish Stratus doll. She describes them as dolls. Oh yeah, which is that. That could be, of course, because as we see, she collects Barbies as well, yeah, yeah. doesn't she? So yeah, that's which, that's the interesting yeah. part of her whole house. Then there's the less interesting bits, such as the rest of it. Um, I I like how she's clearly sort of like she she obviously has kind of a passion for like interior design yeah like she was saying like her living room is entirely designed by her there are like things that she's drawn up and then just got people to make and I like that yeah the problem is the rooms that aren't full of memorabilia and stuff are just really boring yeah empty rooms by and large like her office the that she goes into is just like, oh nothing I, happens in the office That's it's boring. she goes she Shit, she though. well she goes a thing that again dates the time this comes out where she goes I can go on this computer and talk to my fans on the internet oh. <laughs> wow oh, Trish wow imagine <laughs> oh. doing that imagine going online and talking to your fans online That's God, imagine talking to people on the internet boring yeah. who'd do that <laughs> um. Yeah, that bit's, yeah, there's boring bits there, and then because it's Trish Stratus, and as we saw in Velocity, she has to get her baps out. Uh, first, of, <laughs> first of all, she goes into the bedroom, and she makes a ha-ha joke that she's going into the bedroom, and this is where she sleeps. What did you think I was going to say? Get it? She has sex. Yeah, she's she's a good girl. She's never seen a willy. What are you talking about? Yeah, oh, yeah, Val, Valvina's definitely never went near her in the locker room. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no! Moving on! No! <laughs> but then, then, from here, and I'll be honest, at this point, I was so bored by Trish that I started skipping through. Eventually, we get to other stuff in her house, which you can probably mention, uh, mm. before, before she gets her baps out. <laughs> mm. Well, I liked... I liked how she has a bookshelf that has all of WWE's books at the time, oh, yeah, including yeah. including China's, which I w- I was surprised that they kept in there because obviously China was not on good terms. Yeah, this was this was when she this was actually I think when China was in New Japan for a spell actually at this mm. point, where she did a very weird run there and then obviously went on to some other areas of career and media. Yeah, Trish also has a shelf with a women's championship on it because she is a mark. <laughs> I, I, I did. I did. I did <laughs> like that, yeah. I'm joking, by the way. I love that. I adore that. Like, <laughs> I, l- listen, joking aside, I have a replica belt and I am a mark. So fuck it. I don't care. I, I the day I buy a belt is the day I accept I'm too far in. I I, I, <laughs> I, I, I should have a belt with the level of wrestling I'm into, but this I, I'm I'm trying to pretend to myself that my forty figures I have on a shelf isn't me being a fan. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> There's uh, one of the bedrooms is called the jungle room because it's got a bunch of like African animals and stuff in it, and she is well too proud of the soap dispenser in the ensuite bathroom. Oh god, yeah, she's like, oh yeah, it's a lion, this. and she presses it, and it does a roar. I will say also, I think the jungle room, and this is me, uh, like going, oh, a reference. Uh, I think the jungle room is a reference to Elvis because oh. I've I've been to Elvis's house over in uh, like what was it, Graceland, I think. Uh, and he has, he had two bedrooms. He had his regular bedroom and he had the jungle room. And the jungle room was this big gaudy room filled with like vines and like bamboo and stuff that was sort of built up. So I feel like she called it the jungle room because it's like her Elvis room, where it's just got like a bunch of big gaudy animal crap in it. And she's like, ah, oh, jungle. So. Well, who did he ever beat anyway? 
Uh, I mean, Pelvis Wesley on Southport Regional, <laughs> probably the closest. Or Honky Tonk Man's icy title run, I guess, is the two he's got. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's true. That's the yeah. closest parallel. There are a few bits in here that I think are really cool. Like she's got a massive walk-in wardrobe, but crucially, one of the one of the segments of the wardrobe is all her ring gear, and she's got like every attire that she's ever worn, and I yeah. quite like that. Uh, she has a home gym. Uh, and it has every magazine cover she's ever been on adorning the wall. And that is fucking cool. I will say that's the, the kind of thing I would do. That's pretty was... cool. But the cameraman definitely hangs on them for longer than I think would be necessary for I, any yes. of them. That's I think I, I I don't know if I counted that. I think that adds to the boob count that we have because it was kind <laughs> of you know it's a it's a magazine edition, but obviously they're focusing in on the magazine edition for a spell. <laughs> Yes. Uh, she's got a video games room. She's got a regular games room. She plays N64, which I don't think is true. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, her collecting figures is one thing. I can't imagine Trish Stratus sitting down and going, I'm going to play No Mercy, or I'm going to play... She got 100% on championship mode over the course of one week. That's how hardcore Trish Stratus is. <laughs> she loaded it up and was like, oh, I really want to play Mario. Okay. Cool, thanks, Trish. <laughs> she's got... A room which has like hundreds of VHS tapes, and I was looking at that, and I was honestly, I felt a little twinge of agony because it was like you're not far off the point where VHS is done. Yeah. So that whole room is going to have to go in a skip, and you're going to have to swap them all for DVDs. To be fair, you say that my parents had that many VHSs, and they still have them. <laughs> they oh, still wow. like I, I, I was uh, again. I, you know, we'll go back on our little spell of how old you are compared to me. Um, I didn't have dial-up, but I did grow up watching VHSs because my family just had them left over. So I had a, I had, I had a very weird childhood with that. I don't really know what we did with our VHSs. I assume they're just up in the in the loft because, like, what would I do with a VHS tape? You know what I mean? And my dad has what I call just the like '90s room. He's got like two CRT monitors. The VCR is in there. All the VHSs are in there, and all of the old computers he's had are all in there. So we've Your got that is cool. Yeah, well, he works in he works in computing. That's why he's got all that. But yeah, so I oh, I, yeah. I have the weird childhood where I grew up with the internet being fully accessible, but I was watching VHS tape, which is nice. a really fun mix over of the things. But yeah, her, her VHS collection is impressive. I like the VHS collection. Yeah. Uh, so we end the grand tour of Trish's house in the hot tub room. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and she gets into a bikini and gets in the water, and that is where the tour ends. Because we couldn't we couldn't just let Trish be nice and human and go around her house and just show us the stuff in the house. We have to end off with her in a bikini, because otherwise the boys would have clicked off. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, I think this is... Oh, gosh, was it... I think it will be 2003. Trish got a proper uh dvd set and i think she's sort of curated a lot of it and you get a i think it's a proper look at like her behind the scenes stuff so it's you know it's it's going to be the real trish and not just here's trish's house but also you're only looking at it for the bikini so yes. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to covering yeah. it yeah i mean the, the the full the full trish house tour bored me in the end but it was like you know i think it was, it was way too long but it was it was all right oh it was well too long yeah. i would appreciate like 5 minutes more with rvd yeah. To be honest. Or but, just another oh, segment well. and goes, here's, here's Brad Landis now dressed as um, <laughs> yeah. the Blue Meanie. <laughs> the Blue Meanie. In he comes. <laughs> he's he's back. Recurring character Brad Landis. Hell yeah. So, like, I'll be honest with you, the, there are two things I took away from that Trish segment. One, Mark. she's clearly done alright <laughs> for herself. Um, and two, she is a massive fucking nerd. <laughs> 
I, I, I appreciate that Trish Stratus is a massive nerd. It's like, you know. I know, I they love would, They, would never, they never would have shown that on TV. Like, nowadays, you Oh, have. my God, no. Yeah, yeah, nowadays with the women's roster, like, when you have, like, Ember Moon, for example, they'd be very happy to go, Ember Moon had a Game of Thrones-themed wedding. Like, you know, that yeah. kind of level of nerd. But yeah, back then, Trish was just, she's Trish. You can't... Do you know what, though? Honestly, I feel like if, back in 2002, if they had been like, hey, Trish is not just a beautiful, popular, beloved wrestler, she's also a bit of a geek... Honestly, that would have made her more yeah. popular. Give her a new character. Give her a nice yeah. side off. Like, and I, and bearing in mind, she was like the number one anyway. If you make her more human and a bit of a, a geeky loser, which let's face it, we're wrestling fans. That's us. Yeah, everyone I at think home would have really liked is. her even more. Especially at this era, you're a 14 year old at home, you know, watching the TV, going, ah, oh, you would have been like me growing up. We would have been the geeky loser going wrestling. So Trish has yeah. got Trish has got SmackDown on the PlayStation too. I've got SmackDown on the PlayStation too. I can play a game. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That was that was the Trish Strata segment for the boys. It was. That, uh, was, the, that was the meat of the episode, that one. <laughs> we get the WWE Rewind. Yeah, the Rewind footage. Back. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we see footage of HBK winning the title after that really fucking boring shit match at WrestleMania 12. Yeah. This, was, this was the one that I confused earlier, because they have two... The, the Rewind seems to be a regular thing, again, sponsored yes. by Snickers Cruncher. Uh, it was this rewind, it was the other one. I think, yeah, the other rewind was a flashback to Kurt Angle on the paper. Yes. This one was a flashback to Brett and Sean at Mania, where Sean won the title. Like, or they yes. were, they did some big title stuff there anyway. The, so. This was, uh, for the benefit of those of you that don't know much about the new generation, this was a 60-minute Iron Man match, which concluded in a no-score draw, uh, and then went to sudden death and ended basically immediately. So that was a waste of everybody's fucking yes. time. Which, uh, if I had been watching back then, would have made me throw my TV remote at the screen. Yes. Well, the people in attendance decided they weren't that fucking bothered because uh, there's footage of them leaving the arena during ah, the match. So my fa- my favorite thing to has a, has a rating of a wrestling show is the fans mm, walking away. Also, it's grim. Uh, with this rewind thing as well, the uh, advert, but obviously a WWE advert, is the What DVD for Stone Cold's What, which is I'm pretty sure a Bo Burnham special. Um, I think it's also called Bo Burnham's What, so... Really? Yeah. That's going to be a very badly timed uh, release for them. Yeah. Because Austin is not going to be with the company for very much longer. Now, by sheer fortune and happenstance, uh, Shawn Michaels' return happens on Austin's last night in the company. So we will be covering that on the timeline. I, and that was sheer coincidence. I looked it up on, on the wiki while I was like, when did Austin walk out? And it was like, oh shit, we're, we're covering the right episode my, anyway. Fantastic. My, yeah, my feeling is that Austin was on the outs anyway, and obviously the big thing oh, is yeah. that Austin didn't want to He'd lose to He'd already no-showed yeah. once at this point. Yeah, and he didn't want to lose um, to Brock in some random tournament, and then he was like, alright. Yes. Uh, so yes, we'll, we'll certainly be looking at uh, the departure of Steve Austin in detail soon. I uh, well, yeah, on o- over on the old uh, El Patriono, we'll we'll probably cover the old what DVD as a bonus feature. Um it's one of those early WWE DVDs which is basically just a VHS but on a disc, so there's not much in the way of bonus features on it, yeah. but eh, it's Austin, it's always a good time, isn't it? Yeah. And now. <laughs> and oh and now I have so many notes for Oh this. I god. Have, I have more notes for this than any other thing to those that we talked watching, about tonight. To those watching and listening, if you don't want to hear two people just yell about how awful the company is, please so <laughs> we will be doing this bad. this will be doing this for a while, because we've gotten to 
they hyped it up before, they showed HBK as this big evil guy, and we mentioned that. This time comes in the Montreal Screwjob, and finally, after they've been hyping it the whole episode, they're going to reveal all about the Montreal Screwjob, and oh no, they don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. So this is it's part, part two of the Sean interview, basically, and yes. already... I I had my dander up at this one because yeah. the the clip for um you know the coming up after the ad break that little thing is I assume out of context but it seems to be Sean saying I didn't know anything about it yeah. like, straight away I'm fucking cross with you there and but like it, it, in context that is not what is said basically and also so. with that Jean's lead back into this doesn't say this is he does he goes away from the this is the reveal law and he starts. Setting the seed for what this segment is, which is making Bret Hart the bad guy oh, of I'm the Montreal Screwjob. All right, here is the thing as well, of course, because I, you know, as I said, like when I was starting watching wrestling, Sean was on his way out, so Bret, of course, was long gone. So to me, Bret Hart was kind of a mythical figure. Yes. Now I tend to look at the modern age of pro wrestling, basically being the eighties onwards. You know the territory eras; those are those are the, the before times. Yes. Uh, so you, when you've got a, a performer that's uh, from the territories, like your, your Lou Fezzers, people like that, your, your George Hackenschmidt's, those are they're, they're they're wrestling history. They're part of myth and legend, yes. and we all respect them, and we all know they were great. Brett is kind of one of those guys for me because for a long old while. I had really basically seen bugger all of Brett. Yes. And I, I'd come into it after the screw job as well. So I, I was past all of that shit. So Brett was ancient history, but he was a guy who was built up basically in legend because, oh my God, they can't let Montreal go. Yes. And, and it's like 2011 before they finally draw a line under it as well. Also for fans who are uh, watching this don't know too much, a real quick TLDR of what the Montreal screw job is before we yes. get into what WWE Confidential pretend yes. this is. Big TLDR, big massive thing. Brett is WWE champion and his contract's running out. He's coming into Montreal as champion and it's him against Shawn Michaels. Brett has said that he wanted to keep the belt and, you know, then l lose it on the next night by relinquishing the title so he can leave as a face before he heads over to WCW, the competitor. And yes. what they do is Vince McMahon and a bunch of the backstage guys, including everyone in like management, like I think Cornette was one of those as well, they mm. all put together this plan, which is Shawn Michaels will lock Bret Hart in a sharpshooter, which is Bret's finisher, and Earl Hebner will very quickly ring the bell and run. And then what will happen is Bret will have lost, but not lost as he was wanting to do. He will then be lost, he has lost, and they get screwed, hence the screw job. Shawn Michaels is the champion, Bret Hart then, you know, leaves the company without the belt, so Vince doesn't have to worry about that, and Bret is, you know, taken out of WWE and sent away to WCW. Uh, that was the actual screwy finish, which was Bret getting fucked over because he had agreed that he was going to lose the belt on the next yep. night. Absolutely. That's and the, Bret, on, yeah. the thing, the important thing here, Bret's a man of his word, so he absolutely would have done that. So uh, supposedly he was going to work for free on the following night's role yeah. as well. 
And I believe he would have done. Yeah, if and you... I, I don't know what I don't know who got in whose ear on this one, because another part of the story is, of course, uh, Alundra Blaze, who we mentioned earlier, showed up in WCW as Medusa, and she still had the WWF belt at the yes. time, and she put it in the bin, which got her blacklisted for a long fucking time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't her fault as well, which is really awful because she was just following orders on that one. Um, but Vince supposedly was fearful Brett might do the same with the World Championship, which would have obviously, you know, that would have been a catastrophe for him. But the fact of the matter is, he's talking about Bret Hart, one of the most professional professionals in professional wrestling. He would have never have done that. Also ridiculous that Vince was worried about that when Vince with Ric Flair coming over from WCW did the exact same thing. Exactly. <laughs> he, Ric Flair came in as WCW champion holding the belt and came up with it on TV and was like, I've got the belt here. I've got the I, I'm belt. I'm the real world champion, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, it's so it's a ridiculous setup, and also if you want it to is. actually look at the proper story, Vice's Dark Side of the Ring episode of the Montreal Screwjob is the real story. Of like or as close to as you can get. It's as it probably is close to, yeah. It's been covered in tremendous yeah. depth over the years. To the point that I think a lot of wrestling historians are just fucking bored. Yeah, of it. most most channels on the internet won't touch it anymore. But it, yeah. Back in 2002, nobody was doing that, and that meant that WWE could... <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was new and exciting. Yeah, WWE could yeah. paint their own story and just make something up for what oh, the Montreal Screwjob right. was. Straight off the fucking bat, then. The fucking balls on them to do this little intro to the segment with poor, angelic, sainted Vince McMahon helping Bret Hart negotiate his WCW contract. He <laughs> just wanted Bret to have more money. He just cared so much about and it. And Vince, <sighs> Vince only cares about competition and keeping the right in wrestling and doing things by the book is what Vince has always cared about. I wrote down Vince shut yeah, up all right, in then. my notes. Yeah, alright Vince, whatever you <laughs> yeah. fucking say pal. Now here's here's the thing, we are told that and this is this is the narration, so this is, this is just I, I'm not pointing a, a finger of blame at anyone, this is just what's clearly what's being fucking read, this is the narrative they've given. Yes. The, the, the narrative is, uh, Brett wasn't about to drop the WWF Championship to anyone under any circumstances, and that is a fucking outrageous lie. Yeah, they painted Brett as the big evil, I'm holding onto this belt until you've got to force it from my hands. And yes. the, the, the way they weave this story is that it's the it's all HBK says this, Hebner says this, Briscoe says this, Vince himself says this, that the only thing they could possibly do is screw him. Oh yeah, because no that was option. that was the right thing to do. The and the the Bullshit. best thing for business for them to do is they had to force it out of his hands because Vince because Brett is this big evil and he's going to the WCW. Girl. Yeah, uh, and the thing is, well, like Brett, Brett like offered a list of people he'd be happy to drop the belt to as well. He uh, su- suppose like the names I've heard, and I, I I haven't read Brett's book, so he's probably got a few more names in there. But the names I've heard are Ken Shamrock was one of the options he gave, and Stone Cold. Yeah. Uh, now Stone Cold, of course, they were going to you know put him in an Intercontinental Title feud with The Rock, so obviously that wouldn't have been an option anyway. But Ken Shamrock would have been a fine fucking option. I'm as as I've understood it, it's Brett was happy to lose it to anyone not called Sean. Anyone but Sean, and that's yeah. that's Sean's own fucking stupid fault as well. Yeah, 
And because Sean... Brett, Brett basically said, well, look, I don't mind losing the title to you in Montreal. And Sean's response was, well, I wouldn't do the same for you. And mm. Brett, Brett in return was like, oh, well, fuck you then, buddy. Guess it's my creative yeah, and control clause H- HBK on this segment, because again, they've gone, they've built up HBK before. HBK was like, well, in this situation, the only thing that can come out of this is me looking like the bad guy. But yeah, that's because you can involve dickhead. That's because you are. <laughs> and he like he he like puts it across as like, I'm gonna look like the bad guy, whether or not I knew. And then later on he says, Well, I knew. Well then it yeah. doesn't matter whether or not you knew. And the so the first level is that it's everyone I wrote down it's everyone licking each other's balls. Which is mm. it's it's Vince comes Vince is putting the narrative in that he had to get the belt off Brett. And HBK says all that Vince could do was take the belt off Brett like this. Then Gerald Briscoe comes in and says, well, HBK going out there that night was really courageous and really oh brave God, of fuck him. Fuck you, Jerry. He was, fuck yeah, he was really brave and really courageous for him to go out there and do that. I think that showed a lot of balls. I think that was a really good thing for him to do. So that's him jerking off Sean. And then Earl Hebner comes in because it's Earl Hebner and he has to turn up. He goes, well, I was there, and I didn't know what was going on, but I called the I called the bell, and I got out of there, and I was out of the building, so I didn't see nothing. You lying toe rag. Um, Absolute piece of shit. So you have these, you have basically these four goons all backing up each other here on this story. Every, everyone has everyone else's back, and nobody's yes. guilty, and, except for Brett, yeah. who is innocent. In and then reality. so yeah, that's How all the fuck is yeah, that? That's all the stuff woven, and they don't mention anything about the actual screwing and what happens. They don't mention about the sharpshooter. They nope. show the sharpshooter, but they don't mention it. And then Vince, they show the infamous interview of Vince being. Having a Brett massive, Brett. yeah, a massive black eye, which I wrote mm. down, lol, nice eye, because um, <laughs> he got punched straight in the face by Brett, and yes. this was the worst bit for me because there's so much that you can just pick apart, and we could do this for an hour or two, just picking apart <laughs> each like little lie and each little like evil bit of them just writing the story as Brett is evil. But the worst bit was Vince going. I felt I I went back there and Gerald Briscoe said that Brett is gonna probably hit you and Vince went well no he's not going to but I went backstage and I felt I owed it to him to get a free shot on me yeah fuck off which is such a dumb like a, such a I'm this big like knight I'm this big great thing I went backstage and I was the valiant better one and I stood yeah, there and I told off. I stood there and was like well hit me if you wish. But I will not lay a fit. You know, this very sort of <laughs> strike me down, and I shall. Yeah, just so I will become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. He and then he gets. Which really, what the actual thing was is just that Brett was annoyed, so he punches Vince in the eye. Which yeah. of course he does. He just got screwed out of the company, and it's just. And then they just keep painting this thing. Uh, there's a funny bit where he goes, "Oh, Gerald Briscoe broke my ankle." Serves you right. Yeah, like in try in trying to stop Vince from going up to Brett, Briscoe accidentally stands on Vince's ankle and breaks it, and yeah. then Brett knocks him on his fucking ass, and which is hilarious. Yeah, as I said, there's so much you could just pick up for it of them just writing this, which would only be fixed in 2011, and not even really because they just made Brett shake hands with Vince um, and do a little, and then hit him with a chair 26 fucking times at WrestleMania. Yeah, <laughs> but it's it is just the worst, it's badly awful. aged, such a prime example of Vince trying to make reality his own and trying to weave reality to be what he says it is. And yes. it is just 
disgusting, I, I think is the best I, word. Do you know what? You know what's really bad, actually? As a kid, if I'd have seen this, I'd have probably believed it. Yeah. Because I wouldn't know any different. You, and that's what they're yeah. going for. They want, they want I, the, I, yeah. I wasn't watching, and it's me, it's me, it's that person who wasn't watching that they're talking to yeah. in this segment, not the people that knew. Yeah, they want the big... They want the big 90% of the crowd who know nothing about this to watch this yes. and go, oh, Brett's, Brett is evil. I should hate Brett Hart. And that's, you know. Yeah. There, there are, there's quite a lot that I've got written down on this one. I said, oh, there's, a, there's a quip from Briscoe. Oh, a lot of people were uneasy that day. Yeah, the fucking conspirators probably, dickhead. <sighs> yeah, you're, you're currently screwing out your champion from the company. I hope you feel uneasy. <laughs> I hope you... you feel guilty as fuck, honestly. Yeah. Like, I, by the sounds of it, Sean was guilty for a long while on this because he knew he was wrong. Yeah. And also, it's um, the, the, the bit that everyone has, like, that one point that just, like, got really annoyed at them with. Sean going, well, no matter what, I was going to be the bad guy. And then, like, not even, like, five minutes later, they go, well, yeah, I knew. <laughs> come on, come on. If you know what's going to happen and you know he's being screwed out, are you not surprised that Bret Hart wants to lump you? Are you mm. not shocked by this? <laughs> the thing that absolutely I was mouth agape that they had that they'd said all of this and then had the fucking lack of common sense to include this bit we get um i don't know where the recordings from I, you know it's probably there was a backstage camera and they've just like stripped the audio from it we we actually have like a, an audio conversation of Vince and Brett talking to one another the night of survivor they've, series they they've used that same clip before uh, they've used it on Dark Side of the Ring and other things it was mm. one of the the I think the reason it exists is because Brett Hart they were doing a backstage documentary style thing yes it was yeah. uh uh wrestling with shadows wasn't it that was yeah it was it was some one of those sort of early precursor to like the sort of backstage kayfabe but like yes. you know you look into the like behind behind the scenes they were doing one of those things that was later going to be like a tv thing so that mm. means that they just so happened that they had a, an interview of and a recording of brett and vince through <laughs> the door <laughs> What they have is a, this fucking smoking gun that they're lying, yeah. basically. Because, like, on the recording, Brett is offering different options He's to being things. really nice. He's being really he open. He, yeah. do, do you know what? He even says, I was thinking tonight, we'll have a DQ finish. He doesn't even want to beat Sean, the guy he fucking hates. Yeah, his, his he setup. He, he is, Brett's such a fucking professional that he wants to keep Sean looking strong. Yeah, he, fucking the man, the man he does not like and does not want to lose to, and the one reason all this stuff happened is because he doesn't want to lose clean to Sean anymore at this point. That, yeah. that has caused everyone to just go, oh, well, the only thing we can do now is stab this man in the back. So yeah. he's, but he's setting up all this, yeah, he's setting up this thing where, like, we'll do a dusty finish or a DQ, and then I'll relinquish the belt on Raw, and be like, well, you know, I think that Sean is the better man, and I'm gonna da-da-da, you know, that kind of thing. He wanted to do that, and Vince was like, no, yeah. well, I, I'll, you know, I'll do that, I'll work with that, I'm, I agree with that, Brett. Ha 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 The thing laugh. is, as well, that there's absolutely zero reason that he couldn't have done that at this point. You know, no. Like, Vince should have probably just had a, a pang of guilt and gone, God, what, what was I thinking? And just called it off. Yes. Uh, Sean Sean says I have no idea if the match itself was any good I don't don't think it was and I I haven't watched the match admittedly but apparently weirdly enough for two of the all time greatest competitors supposedly they don't have much chemistry in the ring the two of them which is probably because because they fucking hate one one it's one of those things where like you can take two of the greatest wrestlers in ring but if they don't click in the ring it's not great I also 
haven't seen the match, and I do think it's kind of funny that no one will ever comment on that. No one was ever going to go, Brett versus Sean in Montreal was like, you know, a three and a half star or four. No one's going to ever talk about that. (laughs) No one's going to ever review it, because all you're waiting for is at the end where Sean blocks in the sharpshooter, and then Brett goes, oh, fuck you, spits on Vince McMahon and signs WCW. That's, you know, all anyone's going to care about. (laughs) Exactly. There's a astonishing fucking admission as well. Uh, Briscoe is talking about uh, who was stood at gorilla position. So Owen was there, Davy Boy was there, uh, Patterson was there, Briscoe was there. Uh, Briscoe says that Pat Patterson was not informed of the screw job, which I think is an amazing betrayal of Patterson because he's yeah. one of the closest friends that Vince had, and for Vince to not trust him with this, probably because he knew Patterson wouldn't go along with it. I think that's disgraceful, It's honestly. one of those stories as well where, depending on who you talk to, because it's one of those like backstage things, they'll go, I knew, but this person didn't, and they didn't know. Mm. And it's one of those things where you're just like, okay, so like this person's like, well, I heard from, and then I, but I didn't, I had no idea. And then Earl Hebner goes, oh, I'm the ref for this match, I've got no bloody clue, and then runs away and goes, wee, because he pretends yeah, that, that he didn't do anything. That was, yeah, oh, oh, I knew it was going down ten minutes before the match was supposed to go on, <laughs> says Hebner. You fucking lying If you'd been told bastard. ten minutes before, you'd go, no, that's bollocks, and not do it. If you had you would. And also, I can't believe that they make Brett the hate, the, the bad guy in this, like, confidential segment. No! When he's got Owen Hart, his own relation, Davy Boy, who's a member of like the overall Hart like dungeon group, has all of yeah. them watching his match in his home country, in his yeah. home place where people cheer for him, and they're like, "Well, of course, Sean would end up being the bad guy." Typical, typical. No, of course he's you've. What you've done is you've taken um like you've taken a man from Canada in Canada against a man who's not from Canada, watched by Canadians, and shoot him in the face, and wonder mm. why Canadians go, "Oh no, <laughs> our man." After what I imagine was an astonishing amount of cajoling by the interviewer, Sean does actually come clean and admit he knew what was happening. Uh, yes. Now, bearing in mind Sean's story for five years almost was that he didn't know and we even see footage from the locker room which i assume is courtesy of wrestling with shadows yes of brett directly asking sean were you in on that and sean tells him no so sean lied to brett's face and then lied to save his own face because he didn't want to be five years probably because he looked at vince saw the pearl that brett gave him and went i don't want that (laughs) i don't want i don't want to get punched in the eye it's it's honestly, I mean, what else can you call it? It was fucking cowardly. It's it yeah, was. and this whole, this whole. Segment... And the thing is, like Brett, Brett's calmed down by this point because yes. like he's thrown a massive fucking tantrum, and we see footage of him smashing up the monitors and stuff. Rightfully so. But by so. the time they're yeah, but by the time they're in the locker room, Brett is uh, honestly he's a fucking sea of tranquility at this point. I feel as if Sean had just said, "Yeah, I knew," and just been honest. I feel like Brett would have probably just been like, "You know what? Fuck you," but whatever. Yes. Uh, Sean still, however, tells a lie. About the circumstances of what he knew. Uh, he says he found out when he was told. Uh, yeah, presumably, uh, you mean told by Triple H when the two of you and Vince formulated the fucking plan. Because I tell you, I tell you who comes out of this fucking smelling of roses. Triple H. And it was, a, according to at least one source, it was his fucking idea. It's, it's so, it's such a, a cowardly interview because everyone's just going, oh, well. And they all act like it's an inevitability. And they're all like, yes. well, I had to find out at this point when, oh, it was all, there was nothing I could do. If you gave a single shit in hell, you would have gone, who 
maybe we shouldn't screw Brett. But no, yeah. you and 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 you all watch this happening and we're all like, yes, I am. My morals have been choked down hard enough for me to go, that's that's fine by me. That's a-okay. That's good. Uh, Sean says he isn't sorry for what he did. And I'm going to be honest, I actually think that's a lie as well. I think he's very sorry for what he did, but he can't admit it. No, of course not. Because that's not the kind of, like, that's not... The heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. That's not the kind of person that can, you know, he's hyper swallow macho. Shawn, yeah. he can't. Yeah, he can't swallow his pride and say, "Brett, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done it." Briscoe says he was told to show Shawn some old school hooks uh, in case Brett went mental on him and <laughs> tried to beat him up. Yeah, all right, because you know, I'm sure Stu Hart never showed Brett any fucking hooking techniques, did he? Of course not. You no, very, no, Sean. When Brett comes back and he's inevitably annoyed, what you need to do here is try and outstrike a man trained in a dungeon. <laughs> what you need to do <laughs> is try Christ. a man who was trained by being beaten up by Stu Hart in a wooden box underneath the I, Hart Foundation's area. I guarantee you that. Bret Hart has forgotten more about painful holds than Shawn Michaels could ever learn. Yeah. Because Stu Hart, beloved though he was by his students, he had a fucking sadistic streak. That's a reason why they say people survived this dungeon. Yes, he was always on the lookout for new ways to inflict pain on people with Stu. Fucking mad old bastard. (laughs) And can I say Uh, what the worst, what I, this is an interesting thing, and this is sort of, I guess, rounds it off. The worst mm. part of this whole thing, for me, isn't the lies and it isn't like them all clearly being cowardly knobs and just being like <laughs> and it's that's not the worst part and the worst part isn't the clear lies and the clear bullshit that we'd learned later on was all just fabricated and you know all of just the clear jerking off each other none of that is the worst part the worst part is is that in this wwe episode of wwe confidential in this episode which is hyped up as we're going to reveal all about the Montreal Screwjob. Not only do they not reveal all about the Montreal Screwjob, no. this isn't the main story in the episode. <laughs> and we still have about 10, 15 minutes later, where we go on two other stories, which credit to them, the other stories that come up, those wrestlers, aren't going to know where they're put in this show, but those stories pale in comparison to Montreal's Screwjob, which Gene himself says is the biggest like night in wrestling. That is the third from last of the show. (laughs) The funniest bit for me is that not only do they not tell all the truth about Montreal, they don't even tell you what Montreal fucking was. No, they just go, well, it was the most divisive night in wrestling. Why is that? Do do you you want to give us some context there? Oh, no, sorry, we have to... We have to have this segment with Ivory that's coming up. Oh Fuck God! It. So yeah, anyway, we'll get on to that. That is the uh, that is the full Montreal, and everyone has I, heard so much about Montreal. Yeah. But my I lost word. I lost a little bit of respect for Jerry Briscoe on this one. I'm going to be honest. Uh, and Vince, honestly, I'm used to Vince being a lying fucker, but oh well, never mind. Somehow, somehow, me watching Gerald Briscoe versus Pat Patterson in an evening gown match, I lost more respect here watching Gerald Briscoe in this segment than I did watching that match. <laughs> so bloody, just, just don't, just don't, don't. If you're gonna watch these episodes along, by the way, don't skip this. Don't watch this segment. They're lying <laughs> bastards. Yeah, <laughs> through I, and there, through. there, there are. I, I'm gonna be honest with you here. Uh, of all the people involved in the Montreal Screwjob, only one of them has consistently kept his story the same, and you don't have to change your story when you're telling the truth, and that's Brett. Yes. So that says it all. Uh, let's move on to happier things then, <laughs> such as Lita breaking her fucking neck. <laughs> was, yeah, it's such a it's such a, a parallel here as well, where you end off mm. with like this big Montreal thing. Gene then goes, 
And now, and then we go on to the set of Dark Angel, which is like, you know, okay, I get this is also a very big, important thing for Lita. It's fucking 2002 as fuck, by yeah, the way. 2000, Dark yeah, Angel. Dark Angel, Lita on the set of Dark Angel snaps her neck. Yes. Uh, and just absolutely just breaks it because she lands straight on her, like, face and then bends backwards in a really awful way. Mm. But it's such a weird placement for them to put this right after Montreal. And then go, that, okay, yeah. the, the pacing and, like, the setup of this episode is, like, we've got all this big Montreal stuff, and then Lita's neck snapping, and that somehow put more por- more important in the episode, closer to the end it's of the show. absolutely back to front, isn't it? Yeah. The, the intro to this is really strange as well. Gene says, uh, the first time he saw Lita perform the Lita Canrana, his breath was took away, and we know that he isn't lying, because he pronounces the move wrong. <laughs> The leader Khan Rana. All right, Gene. I love. You've, you've definitely watched their perform, haven't you? I love Oakland, but sometimes he does just look at a word and decide he's going to say it differently. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes he just decides he's just going to read it as he wants. And <laughs> what I what I also think is quite funny is he's like, "Leader broke her fucking neck. Oh my shitting god!" And he's doing that same like cheerful Gene Oakland <laughs> voice and smiley face. You're like Gene, mate, can you? Gene can you, does like, not know not? how to be sincere in his like, and it's not an issue to Gene. No he's, he's got one style, and it's a really nice style, but it's it's sure. kind of. It's the same way if you got Fink in, you got Howard Fink in, you go, and then Lita came in and broke her neck. And like, <laughs> that okay, would have been incredible. Really, that would have really, been a show. Really good description. But yeah, it's just, yeah, Lita snaps her neck and Jean sets it up with, just as if he's setting up the segment earlier with Trish's house. Uh, yes, I I have a note here, uh, and this is this is something that Matt Hardy says because we you know, basically this segment is Lita and Matt visit uh, Doctor Lloyd Youngblood, which is a great uh, name is... by the way. I'm naming a wrestler Lloyd it? Youngblood. That's it. Youngblood um, is a great name. <laughs> now Matt says that after breaking her neck, Lita did five more days of filming, and my note there is what in the absolute dog fucking fuck. How was that allowed? Also, also later on in the segment, they also mention, uh, which is later on when she's like calling up and preparing the thing. She'd been walking around for weeks apparently before mm. this surgery, which means that I know healthcare in America is bad. Uh, I know, and you know the healthcare system isn't great. But Jesus Christ, if you've got a broken neck and you're just wandering around with a broken neck for a couple of days, <laughs> Lita's head just wobbling around yeah, yeah, you, like looking, a bobblehead. Yeah, looking, looking like D'Lo Brown's entrance is <laughs> as your head wobbles around on its neck. Just go, please, just rush to hospital. <laughs> please God. So Dr. Lloyd Youngblood, then he was at the time the WWE's preferred neck surgeon. Yes, uh, and also did... in this setup as Steve Austin's like specific. Uh, yes. We we had um, we we had a little segment where uh, Lita says that Stone Cold actually spoke to her on the phone and comforted her a little bit in in, in his own unique way. Uh, as Lita was obviously quite upset and she was crying, and Stone Cold tells her, "Oh, we ain't gonna stand for any of that crying bullshit." And like, su- surprisingly, that works. And as, and Lita's, that- as Lita's on the <laughs> other end of the phone, she hears a, a Budweiser snap open and goes, "What's happening?" <laughs> that 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 for me that kind of passes for sweet for Stone Cold. Yeah, I it's think. my I I was very confused, and then obviously it made itself clear because he was the doctor. But I was like, okay, Lita has broken her neck. The mm. first person she talks to. Is Steve Austin was really kind of like <laughs> I get it because obviously he got his neck broken, he had his own that, broken yeah, yes. with Owen Hart dropping him in that power driver. But it was yes. like it was really weird. It was like okay, Lita's there and she snapped her neck, and after all the other stuff, she's like, okay, who am I going to call? You call your mum, you call your dad, and you call Stone Cold. <laughs> it's like I okay. mean I, that'd be my top three to yeah. be honest. If I had it on speed dial, um, Austin is 
the one who introduced Lita to Dr. Youngblood. Um, as, as we said, he uh, had a broken neck. Dr. Youngblood is the one that operated on Stone Cold. He's also operated on Chris Benoit. I believe he operated on Kurt Angle at one point. Yeah, as, as you said, um, he was the preferred WWE next. Yes. So, yeah, um, so, yeah the, you know, we got this lovely little thing with, like, it turns out Austin was like, why, why don't you come down and meet the Doctor with, with, with me and Deborah and you will go down together. It's like, oh, it's so lovely. Steve being a lovely, friendly man. Um... Dr. Youngblood, then, he describes Lita's injury, and I'm going to be honest, I, when any kind of medical like terminology stuff came off, I was like, I'm hearing you, but none of these words are going in. I, what I, I did notice, though, but yeah. <laughs> i tell you what I did fucking notice. That little model of a neck that he had. And he was like, well, here's how Lita bent her fucking neck. <laughs> just, like, bends this thing back. Was, <laughs> was, Jesus. Was, you can tell this man has worked with a lot of necks this pig. Because he just very casually went, yeah, her neck did this. And bent it in the way that if, if my neck did that, my head would fall off. It was... His, I, he just bent I it, would it backwards. Desc- it I nice. would describe it as not how a neck is meant to look. Mm-hmm. It it was not nice. It yeah. was like ooh, it was like pretzelish. Yeah. So basic, in, in basically, basically, the way the injury was was she was doing a stunt with someone on the set, and she was thrown over, landed face first, and then her body went over her. So her neck then went up backwards and wrong, up the wrong way because her head was being pushed in, and her, now, then her body I, went over. I think it's worth pointing out as well. Actually, there is an infamous moment on a two thousand. I think. Four episode of Raw, where Lita lands in almost exactly the same fucking way, and everyone reacts in absolute abject horror, thinking, "Oh no, oh my god, she's done it again." She hadn't; she was fine, but it was like, "Would you, would you not just not do that move?" Yeah, it's um, it's 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 the same level as like it would be if Brock Lesnar after his match with Kurt Angle did that suiting star press and went, "Yeah, I'll do it again." No, Brock. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the- Instead of being like, oh, well, I'm far too bulky to do that, just going, well, I'll give it another yeah. go tomorrow night on SmackDown. Yeah, fuck that. I, I will also, the actual process here in the hospital, and by the way, it's very funny to me that Stone Cold came in, because last time we saw Stone Cold in the hospital, he was beating Vincent Man up. Um, but <laughs> they, so yeah, they bring in Lita and they bring in Matt, and the doctor's there explaining what they're going to do for her surgery. And I yes. thought also it was kind of weird that this is Lita learning this like life-altering surgery with a whole camera crew. There. And I just want to imagine, I want to imagine the, like, how, like, weird and abstract the wrestling world is that Lita and Matt go, yeah, we're going to learn about this life-altering thing that's going to happen to this woman that could take her out of the ring, could put her out of commission, really important. We're gonna have a camera crew and a sound boom guy here watching us the whole time. It's like, Ugh. I I think the mood was set when Doctor Youngblood walked in and greeted her as, "Oh, hello there, Lita." Instead of "Hello, Amy." You yeah, know, hello, Amy. Yeah. Hello, Amy Dumas. Hello, hello, Mi- hello, Miss Dumas. No, no, hello, Lita. Off yeah. of the telly. So they, off of the telly wrestling. Yeah. So they explain the process, uh, and he show he he mentions in a very just awful thing that they're going to grind out a pit of her neck. Put in a metal titanium plate, screw it in (laughs) in place, attach it, and then, like, put it back in, and then it will heal up. And he says, well, your neck will be way stronger. Yeah, but you'll be like Kurt Angle and you can't look left. Yeah, you'd um, be like in the fucking first Batman film, you've got to physically turn yeah. your entire body to look around a corner. Then they make a joke about how Lita was like, okay, I'm going to walk up the stairs immediately afterwards because uh, Stone Cold apparently has the record for the most stairs walked the day after surgery, which was 44, which is, okay, guys, this should not be the medical precedent of how many stairs can you climb. Maybe you should yeah. rest your neck up. You know, shouldn't be a competition for whose neck is the best. But Like, that's... 
there's a lesson about toxic masculinity somewhere in there. Yes. I'm fairly sure. And Lisa, uh, and Lisa going, oh, I'm one of the boys. I'll break my neck too. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I guess. I guess. Fuck surgery. I'll just. I'll just. Yeah, it's like when you get a pair of shoes. You got to bed them in, haven't you? You got to bed your new neck in a little yeah, bit. You know, on the set of Dark Angels, you knock it in. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get some truly gross fucking. Footage I here. yeah. I'm I'm not gored out easily, but I don't want to see them doing a massive bunch of like neck. Like it, it was just clearly just them in the operating room and them just showing all of this neck stuff they're doing and I was like, okay, Jesus, absolutely fucking not. They are poking and prodding and cutting and grinding and oh my sweet god. And again, I'm not, if I you know I can handle blood. I yeah, can handle things you and like me that. have both they, watched this... enough CZW or GCW or sure. like, Attitude Era wrestling to. There, there's a line though, and I'm going to be honest. The bit that freaked me out was like, well, well, here's the bit of bone we've taken out. Of yeah, it. no, thank you. That stays on the here, inside. Here is Don't a part of what is liter. Here is a piece of liter put on this tea towel here. Let's look at this piece of bone. Wow, <laughs> that's 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 not good. <laughs> that shouldn't mm. be out of there. It was it was like and also. And just to go back to the pacing of this episode and the weird, like, mismatch of stuff in this whole episode, this episode goes, Shawn Michaels talking about his career, and then it goes, man dressed as gold dust, then it goes, Rob Van Dam's ring gear, then it goes, Trish Stratus's house, then it goes, Montreal, <laughs> and then it goes, intense surgery, like it's an episode <laughs> of- Necessary surgery. Like it's an episode of Grey's Anatomy, is like it's the next bit weird. we put in. And it's just like, okay, we'll slip this in here. And, you know, kudos to Lita. The surgery seemed to go all well, and she obviously sees, yeah, she's sure. come back and done more wrestling since. She's Absolutely. clearly okay. But she's... my word, what a segment to put in. It's very strange. Uh, apparently Lita's bone density is gold standard, which means she won a gold neck with a broken freaking neck. Uh, Lita's, but Lita's bone density is gold standard, which means Shelton Benjamin is out of a job. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I'd love that. Like They just like make the incision on her neck, fucking Shelton jumps out. Ain't no stopping me, no! Oh no, he, do, he does. He, out comes his mum as well, because you know, I think around <laughs> this time would have been him and his mum gimmick. Would have been oh like, my god, speaking of mums, Lita's mum doing phone acting. Oh god, why did. Like, I, I know they want so, to make So we, like, see footage, we see footage of the doctors calling, and they're like, oh yeah, no, this surgery was a success. She's going to be absolutely fine. She's resting up. And then like, you cut to this really obviously, like, ages later footage of Lita's mum, like, on the phone, awkwardly pretending to be on the other end of the conversation. Like, thank you. That, uh, that's really good. Good to know. Thanks for calling. Goodbye. Just puts the phone down. Yeah. One, she's never going to get hired by WWE with those acting jobs. And <laughs> two, it's like they were clearly trying to make it like this was live, but I presume none of this was live. Like no I feel, way. I feel like I feel like the Lita and Hardy segment that went in that wasn't her original learning of how the neck procedure is going to go. Because it can't be. Yeah, surely he not. wouldn't have called her Lita. He'd have gone. All right. Hello, eight. <laughs> Hello, Amy and Matt. Hope you guys are well. Yeah. Lita, how you doing? Ow, ow, ow. That's expected. You know, kind of that kind of bit would have all been not here. The only bit that was real was the actual surgery. So yes, yes. I see again. We get a little bit more medical talk, and my brain's like, no thanks, not for me. Although you know, I did hear a few random words. I don't know why my brain randomly picked these out. You know, words like ruptured disc, fragmented spinal column. I can't imagine why I've got that ingrained in there. Maybe over the course of this podcast, we'll figure out why it, that's drilled it, into my fucking brain. It feels like that old thing of "Do not try it at home," where Mysterio goes, "I've had <laughs> surgery five times on my left, on my knee. left knee." <laughs> <laughs> 
but it's like yeah oh spinal <laughs> column ruptured disc I, <laughs> I love I just on, while we're on the subject of that I love how they eventually had to take Ray out of that because <laughs> the number of surgeries grew increasingly inaccurate I've had 28,000 <laughs> surgeries on my left knee thank you Ray. I actually how is he how is he even able to stand is what I want to know ah see uh, he's fallen over again and his leg's broken <laughs> Uh, there's quite a sweet line, which is tragic, unfortunately. Matt, um, oh. talks about how, you know, Lita was worried that, you know, she's going to have to miss a year of wrestling, and he's basically, he basically says, you know, what what's a year? You can miss a year as long as 20 years from now, you can, you know, we can walk around the zoo together, and we can <laughs> eat popcorn together, and that's really sweet, and it's it's Matt being a romantic and looking to the future, and unfortunately, that sentence aged like a fine milk. She actually walks around the zoo on her own eating popcorn. Oh no! <laughs> going over to the giraffes and going, my, if only I had someone here to watch these giraffes with <laughs> looking, me. looking at the giraffes like, wish my neck was as good as that. <laughs> and then Jeff turns up and is like, I can jump off that. But, um... <laughs> Uh, and then Gene wraps up the segment by informing us that mere days after surgery, Lita was running up and down stairs. Well, thank God they tied up that loose thread. Yes. Uh, between this and the final main event, by the way, uh, <laughs> is... Uh, so we'll get to the final main event, because again, this show is built terribly. Uh, there is an advert for Angina. And I, I felt sad because the kayfabe was broken because Kurt has his real hair. Um, he, there's, there is a segment where he's talking about um, it's something to do with, like, it's a, it's a thing for if you're feeling pain at home. It's one of those, like, medical things that's mm. been advertised. And Kurt's there with his hair. And I couldn't pay attention to the advert because I was like, Kurt, you're bald. What the hell? <laughs> the, the absolutely piss poor continuity yes. on display here. They he's only been bald a week and they fucked it already. Yeah, he should have had the wig put on and the little like thing, the little strap creeping around it. And as he talks about this important <laughs> medical device they're talking about. And then, through oh, this boy, whole podcast, if you've been keeping track, we had Tori Wilson in pretty much nothing. <laughs> we had a random woman in the crowd. We had Trish Stratus and Stacey Keebler in their clothes. We had Trish Stratus again. And to just sum up what the era of wrestling and era of WWE is oh at this point. Fucking God. The way they end off the first episode of WWE Confidential, because you always have to send the fans home happy, <laughs> is horny, Boobs. horny mean Gene Oakland telling us about boobies. Now, I'm going to be honest here, right? Like, Gene, Gene opens this place like... Uh, people that know me know that I'm an art aficionado. I particularly like a female nude, which is like, that's a shit line. You've obviously been fed that. But I, I really found it funny when immediately following that, Gene just went, <laughs> just like under his breath, like the shittiest little laugh. Like, I can't believe I you said know, that. You know, Gene, Gene had turned up to work 20 minutes before. And they'd handed him the script, and he went down, and went, oh my god. And then he went, oh, oh fine. <laughs> he, 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 he knows that it's the era, and he's seen Velocity, and he's like, okay, great. This is what's going to be happening. And he's like, alright, cool, boobies. Ha ha ha. Ha ha boobs. My, my summary of this is, uh, I guess two sentences and a, a, a couple of exclamations following those sentences. So, Ivory talks about breast implants. Lisa, no. <laughs> Ivory says you shouldn't have boobs bigger than your head. Lisa, no. <laughs> oh. What are you doing, love? Uh, I in so this in this more one segment, segment I have. <laughs> oh my! In this one segment, Ivory manages to be extremely awkward. I nearly fucking collapsed into a cringe singularity. 
Um, and also, she's basically body shaming women that do have big boob implants. And it's like, that, you kind of, no, <laughs> maybe don't. Like, yeah, especially. Because she, she, she's saying, like, you know, you, you might feel more confident if you have implants. Well, who the fuck are you to say don't have huge ones then if that makes them feel and more it's, confident? It's also such a weird, like, because obviously at this time, as we said before, the Velocity episode ended with a bra and panties match, which is clearly mm. a focus on boobs. And a lot of the Velocity episode and this episode of WWE Confidential has a focus on boobs. And there's so much focus at this point of boobs and how much great boobs are. And then Ivory ends the episode going, well, maybe some women should have smaller, not fake boobs. You're in the era of 2002 where everyone else is just showing off their boobs because Vince wants it. But you're See, here thought... talking about implants going, oh, well, mm. implants. <laughs> I, t- I tell you, I'm going to be a hand on heart honest here because Ivory talks about how, you know, she feels a bit more confident with her implants. I, hand on heart, I didn't realise she had them. No. I thought Ivory was natural, so hers are obviously very soft. And also, it's not one of those things that we should really care about. I don't... No, it isn't. And I'm going to be honest here. There was a worry at this time, and it went away, and it came back again when a certain individual was in charge of talent relations, Mm -hmm. that uh, women in the company would be expected to have breast augmentation surgery. Yes. Now... I think even at the time, even in this era of them being edgy and trying to recapture some of the the naughty, oh, look at us, aren't we cheeky, sort of sexy stuff, even then, the fans were like, ah, that's really not on. Mm-hmm. That's got to be a personal choice, surely. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. So I, I don't know how... I would love to know how the fuck this came about. Honestly, I would. Like, did someone approach Ivory? Or did she go, oh, you're doing this new magazine show? I've got an idea Ma- for a cool segment. Why don't I talk about tits? I, and it, 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 to, to weirdly link this back to, like, like Brad Landis' Gold Dust segment from earlier. This, oh, no, I know. I think I know where this is going. <laughs> it's it's such a... It's, it's, it's one of those things where, like, that one was a fan. And he's obviously had it put in. And how did he pitch that to them? And why was that mm. pitched into the show? Right. Ivory's bit at the end. It's I. So obviously they were putting together the show. It's like we need a bunch of clips and stuff to put in. Did they? Yeah, because it's a really obvious green screen. Yeah, it's an obvious green screen, and they need all of these clips to be able to make this whole episode. And the big story was the Montreal thing, but they needed stuff to pad around it. Yeah. I I want to know when the meeting was with the talent or like production guys, being like, all right, we need all this stuff. And then they were like, oh, we've got like. Five minutes left at the end of this episode. Mm. We need to put in Ivory talking about breast implants. And that's it's how we're so going to end off the episode. Like, the rest of it. Even if it was just up to the Lita, Matt Hardy next segment, even if that was weird putting that after Montreal, and as much as we both ranted about how much the Montreal segment was shit, we can at least understand that the show was set up with, like, you know, HBK talking about how he was the guy. Makes sense. Fun little fan interaction bit there. That makes sense. It's a nice little showing of like how fans care about WWE. Rob Van Dam ring gear. That makes sense. It's a nice bit showing of Rob Van Dam's career. Trish's house. That's fine. It's a behind the scenes. Pull the tape away. Look at how Trish is as a human being. The yes. Montreal thing. It's a as much as it's done awfully. Is a talk about one of the biggest wrestling stories of all time. And Lita and Matt sure. Hardy. And Lita and Matt Hardy is a point about an injury and showing like the recovery from an actual injury that someone was sustained. They all serve a purpose. They all make sense for a WWE magazine show like Confident. Yes. Ending it off with what is like a weird moral discussion on breast implants <sighs> in wrestling is such a weird ending. It's 
I I felt really really uncomfortable watching this. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not a prude, and I don't have a problem with people getting breast implants. And if you want them, good for you. And also, it doesn't affect my life in any fucking yeah. way. Go for and it. Also, you know I mean? as much as we've shot on how WWE using them, boobs are also just fine, and it's not like an <laughs> yeah, issue. They're, they're fine. So, they're a yeah. part. They're a part of the female body. Some people feel more confident with bigger ones. Some do not, and that is. A-okay. And I'm... Whatever. You do you. You know? Yes. Breast havers. You do you. Uh, I, I will never be among that... Well, actually, I don't know about that. I'll put a little bit of weight on. <laughs> um, I, this was weird. I didn't yeah. like this at all. And I tell you what I didn't like as well. Like, whenever Ivor was making her her comment about, oh, you know, if you're going to have implants, don't go for ones that are bigger than your head. And then they showed a clip of someone with really big implants, and I, cu- I couldn't tell who it was. It was obviously a wrestler. Yeah, and the back- it was like, the background that's shitty well. that you did that. Because also, yeah, it's her talking about, because also she leads it in and goes, wow, <clears throat> breast implants, well. And then also, like, the background shots are like, it's a boudoir shot happening is one of the scenes. Mm. And then, as you said, like, a woman's big chest part just being shown a big bosom represented on the screen. It's like, okay, what you've got here is Ivory doing this really weird, cringy, uncomfortable discussion about it that doesn't feel right. And these background shots that feel even less right. And you lead into it with Minji in Oakland going, boobies! Which is like, okay, really bad lead in. And you're ending off the episode with this. So the last thing that people remember about the episode of Confidential is breast implant. Why is that how we end off WWE Confidential's episode? <laughs> and I, like, Ivory tries to make a nice point with it. She's like, you know, you... At the end of the day, you're like, you might feel more confident with implants, but at the end of the day, you don't... I I think her point about, you know, don't get huge ones is like, you still want people to look at you as a person and not just view you as a chest. And it's yes. like, well, okay, I see where you're coming from there, Ivory, but that's kind of not your decision to make when we're talking about someone else's And clearly, now, clearly that it? was also, like, her just filling it, because it was clearly just not a well-put-together segment. It was her no. just wanting to... They, they were like, you need five minutes to talk about boobies, and she's like, what the hell? And then had to fill it with... Like, it's such a weird way to end off the episode, and it's so... It's ab- really odd. All the other boob appearances in Velocity and Confidential, as I'll describe them, all of those, as weird as they are, and as sort of like confusing and awkward and wrong they are, they make sense in the landscape, at least, of what they've yeah. built. This doesn't fit. This feels. This was out of nowhere. This feels like I would have seen this on a random DVD once and been like, "What in the shit? What are you doing? Ha! Huh? I don't yeah. know where this came from." This. See, I, I uh, towards the end of the previous thing, I kind of caught my mouse while I was like just sort of readjusting myself, um, in my chair. I, 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 sh- I should add that because like, we're just talking about boobs and then readjusting myself sounds very. Odd. I see that you well, were clearly paying attention to all the stuff, LT. <laughs> my word. But then. But then it was like, oh, there's only like a couple of minutes left, so clearly, you know, we're just going to get G and go, folks, next week, here's what you can expect on Confidential. But no, we squeezed in this segment about boobs, and it was like, no, thanks, not sure. And then it ends with with Gene being like, oh, just don't forget to share with someone you love. <laughs> Stop it, you fuck off, you weird <laughs> bastard. Okay, I, right. We, sincere advice now I would like to be I would like to be hand on heart sincere about this yes because I I think like this is, this is actually a serious thing and people don't realise that because breast implants particularly around this time were viewed as a, an item of titillation yes but here's what I'm going to say on that if you are intent on having cosmetic surgery consult a doctor who can help you weigh up the pros and cons and also in 2022 as we know more about mental health, 
consider talking to a mental health professional who can also offer pros and cons of cosmetic surgery and how it will make you feel and whether it will be the cure to any self-esteem issues you may or may not have. Yes. What I would also say is, don't get your advice from Ivory and Mean Gene Oakland. Fucking hell, what is wrong with yeah. this company? And also in this era, clearly for how a lot of the women got the implants, don't take advice from John Laurinaitis <laughs> telling Jeez, you that you should get no breast way. implants for the show. It's... And uh, it's... I, <laughs> in this company where just... This, this company at this point, 2002, and I can see why I haven't returned back to 2002 before, because it's so... <laughs> it's so weird. It's such a it, weird, it, like... It's in, and also, it's in its own bubble. And I, I've, I've alluded yes. to in the whole thing that this is such a weird era for WWE. And it's in WWE, obviously, transitioning over from... Uh, obviously, your whole podcast here, Ruthless Aggression, is, you know, WWE going from the Attitude Era to the new era. And the yes. Ruthless Aggression Era is a weird little blip in the middle that is just mm. really weird to look at if you give it, like, any second of thought when you're properly looking. And this is... It, it's, it's odd because it, it's like I, like I was sort of saying earlier. It's like they knew fans loved certain things about the Attitude Era, but they didn't quite understand why we loved them, and they're going about it the wrong way to try and recapture the lightning in a bowl. Yes. So they're like, oh, you like women, do you? Oh, you know what women have, don't you? Boobies. And you like all the wild action of the Attitude Era. Here's just the most confusing wild bollocks you could imagine being thrown around. It's... It's very strange. Yeah, this, this, was, this was a fun like look into a very weird segment of WWE history. Yeah, absolutely. If, if, you, if you do like sweeping bits of like the history, and like, you know, ah, oh, the era of WCW and the Monday Night Wars, or you go recently, mm. it's like, ah, oh, the rise of the Shield and all that kind of stuff recently. Yeah. You don't look at 2002 and go, ah, oh, what were they doing on Velocity and Confidential? And there's, a, <laughs> there's a reason why you don't do that, and it's because it's so... Ah, uh, there's a reason why we do exactly that here. Yeah, two, two sides to it. There's a reason why a normal, regular person in society shouldn't do this, but a reason why maniacs should. And like it's just me. such a weird look into... You start with Tajiri and Kidman in a weird match, and then boobs, 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 Montreal screwjob, neck surgery, boobs. Okay. It's such Very a weird, weird, weird way that WWE at this point before they turn over to their modern era is yeah. wild. We end the episode then with a little quickie look at uh, what's coming next week and we will get a, an additional part of the Shawn Michaels interview and I found this line from Vince really interesting. Vince says, I don't know if Sean will ever wrestle again. Man, imagine if he came back less than 10 days after this said, well that'd be fucking weird wouldn't it? Jesus, how mad would that be? That's exactly what happens by the yes. way. <laughs> And you, yeah, you, you get to look into in the next episodes the fun, very big return of Shawn Michaels, just that they've built up that he will never return. And this it's is big so weird. I, I would love to know how far in advance this was filmed, because, like, we still have WWF is seen in the Trish stuff. Yeah. Uh, they, they didn't even bother censoring that this time around. Um, so... I, obviously, it's filmed in advance, but I wonder how far in advance, and I wonder if this led to a conversation. Well, yeah, with, with Vince and Sean, with the weird like clip show style as well, and like again, as I've mentioned, like all the weird places these came from. My feeling is that they just had like a backlog of clips, and then they just mm. went, "We need to make a show because we've got all this stuff here." And I feel like they yes. put they'd put together that Montreal thing before, 
And the way that was built yeah. looked like it was a DVD. Like, it looked like they were going to build it for, like, the... Talking Heads yeah. and that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Talking Heads, True Story Montreal. They'd set it up in, like, a... They'd clearly put production into the meet, the interviews <laughs> with Vince and Gerald and Herbner and... <laughs> it was probably going to be, as you say, the True Story Montreal, and then they realised none of it was true, so they yeah. couldn't market it. And then they went, okay, what do we do? We've got Oakland over from his WCW contract. We'll put him into this bit here, and we'll like bake it into a weird episode of WWE uh, Confidential realised that wouldn't fill an episode so they got Ivory in to talk about boobs and a man dresses gold dust so. so weird so so fucking strange so that then is going to bring us to the end of our journey on tonight's little jaunt down memory lane so Katie what did you make of it all? I have seen too many boobs is the sort of over I bet you never thought you'd hear yourself saying that. No, I you I, you you preface this to me with this is the two episodes that the only person you could bring on is me because nobody else should be subjected to such a weird <laughs> level of like cringy sex towards it. I had fun watching this as like a case study of yes. what was Vince doing at this point. One, what was he like building as the culture around like how he's viewing stuff like taking the remains of wcw writing his story on what montreal was happening and how he's building stuff and then you just see the weird directions that stuff is going and it's such a weird contained box of like tough enough at that time the cruiserweights velocity and confidential starting the women being placed in this situation here vince's historical revisionism it's like okay this is such a weird vince box and this yes. is possibly one of the best ways to explain to somebody why Vince McMahon is insane, is just looking yes. at this kind of era of something and going, look what he's created, look what he's doing, this is bizarre. This is one of those things where if a wrestling fan's going back and looking and they come across this, they go, what? I don't get it. This is confusing and weird. <laughs> Why, why is there a wall over there? Why is there a load of shit that hasn't stuck to it? I don't understand. <laughs> It's such a, it's such a weird, it's, it's, it's Vince taking the spaghetti and going, this doesn't stick and this doesn't stick and this doesn't stick and Hurricane and Maven and Maven and Al Snow and Val Venus, I don't, Ivory, just throwing them all at the wall and going, none of it worked, so. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I, 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 I'm pretty much on the, the same side with Katie on this one. I had a good old bit of fun watching this, but I spent rather more of it cringing than I would have liked to. Yeah. I could have done without the Baron Panties match. I could have done without Ivory. Uh, being weird. And I love Ivory, you know? I, I don't want anyone to think I don't like her, because I adore her. She's so nice, and she's yes. genuinely funny and sweet, and just a, a great performer, and very underrated. And I love her, but Ivory, what the fuck, man? What are you yeah. doing? It kind of shows the value they have when two women who are now, like, Hall of Famers, Trish Stratus and Ivory, mm. two people who have a revered career, at this point you have Trish Stratus showing off her house and doing a bra and panties match, and you have Ivory talk about breast implants, and then later on they'd go on to be, like, icons despite this. Because this is, yes. like, this is one of those things that doesn't show up in the Hall of Fame tape and doesn't show up in the Legacy tape. Oh, this no is... way. This ain't gonna be on no DVD extras anytime no. soon. So, we'll pick up the story of Shawn Michaels on our next episode, dear listeners. Don't you worry, because, uh... We're heading into June now, and we have... Ooh, these next few are having quite a little bit of fun. Uh, if I listen, let's have a little sneak peek at June, shall we? Um, the first... Th I've got five episodes planned for June. I'll tell you what the first three are. Obviously, we mentioned King of the Ring is coming up. Very we good pay-per-view, yeah. It's an excellent pay-per-view, King of the Ring 2002. Uh, before that, though, we have a Raw and a SmackDown, both in the same week, and we've got a return and a debut and a departure. 
Uh, 3rd of June 2002 is our next episode in which Shawn Michaels will return to the WWE in case you're wondering why they put this on Confidential and Steve Austin will work his last match as a four-time wrestler. And then on the 6th of June, Jamie Noble debuts. Hooray! So we've got all that to look forward to on the coming episodes. I do love the hyping up of Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, and Jamie Noble in the same sentence. I <laughs> love Jamie Noble. He's a fucking quality character. I'm really looking forward to trailer trash Jamie. Oh, good quality fun. So that, I think, is going to pretty well do it for today. So Katie, why don't you tell our lovely listeners where they can find you online and whether or not it's a good idea to <laughs> well, say, do you want to encourage people to uh, well um, if you the only the only place that I'm like really you know active is mainly on Twitter I'm one of those weird wrestling Twitter people who just sort of floats around in the Twitter space so at it's Katie Lawson uh, if you like a mix of wrestling uh, a hatred of the United Kingdom and uh, other weird just stuff that occurs on Twitter. Um, besides that, that's pretty much where any else I am. If you want any more of me after that, there's something wrong with you. Quite frankly. <laughs> so. Oh, don't be like that. <laughs> oh, but I'm right. I'm correct. You, well, you, you get I'm my Twitter. You take my Twitter and you take the fill. That's all you need. That's all you require. <laughs> from that. Uh, and as for me, ladies and gents, you can find me on Twitter as well, at LTDangerous. Uh, you can find the show's Twitter at RARelived. And you can email us, LTRuthlessAggression at gmail.com. And we'd love to hear from you, honestly. Like, drop us your emails, drop us your tweets. Uh, yeah, I'll read about the show, because I, I, I just love attention, and I love making the fans part of the show as well, because it's, it's a show for you guys. Uh, you can back us on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash RA Relived. You'll get bonus episodes, bonus content. There's some more stuff going out there soon, hopefully. Uh, we've got. Oh, I, oh, yes, of course, I should say. Before the Raw episode comes out, there's a side episode coming out. Ah, you're going to get a little uh, rundown of Clash at the Castle, which, of course, is outside of our timeline, but I was there, so I thought I'd do a little recap of that. Uh, and yeah, I think that's pretty well going to wrap it up for today, guys. So until next time, thank you very much, and thank you so much, Katie Lawson, for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you here. I'm like, I cannot wait to have you back on. And don't worry, everybody, when you see me in the title next on one of these, you know what's going to be happening in the episodes. It's going to be something of debauchery at this time and era of WWE. <laughs> I feel like I, this is going to be my reliance. <laughs> I I have. I have Katie put down for the most debauched fuckery oh, in wrestling God. history. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That, that's a while off, yeah. That's an October episode, but oh, you, some of you already know what I'm talking about. So, yes, it's been lovely having you. It's been, been a good old, been a good old yes. couple of hours talking to you. I've had a lot of fun. It's been lovely. It's always good talking wrestling with you. And I encourage you to do the same and uh, jump on Twitter and at Katie at... Uh, at it's Katie Lawson. Yes. Couldn't get the words out there. So yes. Send Katie your love on Twitter. Send me your hate on Twitter. I don't mind. I can take it. I'm a big boy. Uh, and until next time, you can leave us a rating review on iTunes. That all helps. Uh, you can go back and listen to our older episodes of the archives. And yeah, thank you very, very, very much for listening. Your support is super duper mega appreciated. Uh, so for Katie Lawson, I've been LT Fletcher. Thank you very much, and I will catch you next time. Thank you.